Welcome back to There's Always Another Podcast, a Brandon Sanderson reading and rereading podcast. As always, I am Justin, and I am joined by... Finale Beth. Firefox Sam. I, Iowa Caleb. <laughs> was Hello. that Tom Hardy? <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah. that was. That, let's go with that. I was just going to say um, that, like all languages, was made up. Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah, hello to Caleb and to everybody here. As we have finished Hero of Ages and therefore finished Era 1 of Mistborn. How's that for a thing? (sighs) Those good, big, big, good books there. (laughs) It's so weird to say aloud. Like, I've, I've read this book before. And I finished it before, and I finished it again, and it's still weird to be like, we we did it. We read them. We we read these three books. Yeah, we did. We we trilogized the the trilogy. Although trail, yeah. we're not done with trail. Weirdly, oh. no, we're not done with trail. Apparently not. Hmm. But we are done with a lot of other things. I I think now that you can more accurately judge if the back of the book is correct and were all of your questions answered. And I think it's at least most of them. I, we could, this would probably be more towards the end of the episode. I have a few, but I will say there, most of my questions were answered. That That is fair. I think the most surprising question that was answered was like, why, if the mists are preservation, why did it kill all the plants? Oh, that was answered. That was, uh, that was interesting. Because Ruin. Yeah. Was Ruin. All right. But who poisoned the wells? Oh, that actually was not holy answered. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm deeply sorry. That was not answered. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Is that a Rafo or is that a... Yeah, that's just never answered. No, it's just never uh, no, brought up again. What the hell? That's like an actual <laughs> plot point that they have to talk about and address. What was that? It's a crafai. A keep reading and forget about it. <laughs> Has anyone asked Brandon about that? What the hell is that? We need a, a database of questions that always another podcast specifically wants to ask Brandon. <laughs> Poison the wells, Brandon. We need to go to one of his talks and just like stack the audience with plants so we can just have all these questions answered at once. I mean, the funny thing is, that happens. It's just for questions that are more important. Like, the 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 people who are uh, super into doing all this theorizing and research and whatnot will come in with a list of questions. And if you are the kind of fan who is interested in these answers but doesn't do the deep dives to come up with them yourself, you can just ask them for a question to ask so that they can get through more. Oh. Well, I care about the people of Luthatel and I didn't want them to get poisoned, so I'd like to know who's responsible for that. But I'm sorry if there's more important things. You know, Caleb, that's admirable. And I care about my Toy Story reference. You made a Toy Story reference and I missed it? Somebody poisoned the water hole. Oh, from oh, way back when, yes. <laughs> yeah, from way back when. I thought it was just now. I got scared. It was wasted. On a... Mostly related note, I googled Well of Ascension Who Poisoned the Wells, uh, which has the word well in it too many times, so I didn't get much, many results. Ruined, but I did basically. Get a... 
I did get a linked page that lists the Well of Ascension characters, uh, which notably does not include Vin. It starts with Lestaborns, goes Sazed, Elend, Orser, Lord Ruler, Tindwell, Strathventure, Kelsier, and Ashweather Set, and that's Wait, everyone. Lord Kelsier? Ruler's not in that book. <laughs> <laughs> Neither is Kelsier. No. <laughs> no, Vin. <laughs> Beth, I need you to cite your sources. I I will screenshot. Cite better sources. I know they're I know they're hiding it for the sake of the plot twist, but. Orisur, barely in the book. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway. Yeah. Um, we have thoughts and opinions about this book that we can now all talk about in a somewhat more constructive manner. But I think the thing that we should do is go through the chapters that we did read uh, as as they occurred. And then as we wrap things up and as we get to them, we can we can talk through what the hell happened here sounds yeah awesome. <laughs> so great yeah so uh we left off at the end of chapter 75 uh with Sazed being captured we left off previously with vin having just kind of disappeared uh, and that is where we are resuming here in chapter 76 starting uh beforehand with an epigraph uh pondering I think this is a thing that we've mentioned once or twice before on how Tin interacts with the mists and how that doesn't really make sense because having sharper vision shouldn't let you see through things. Uh, but the the note here is that the mists are themselves elementic and so do kind of work that way along with Alamancy. Also, yes, they're by Sazed. We can say that now. They're, they're by Sazed. <laughs> Sorry, Sazed well, did it. Sa so that would make Sazed what, Justin? We'll get there. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, we, uh, we're we still here with Vin, although where here is is uh, a little unclear for a bit. <laughs> because, I mean, it's it's confusing to Vin as well. She's trying to, to figure out what what is going on. And the first possibility that occurs to her is... I'm dead, which uh, seems quite reasonable from like what she's currently <laughs> experiencing. Yeah, the whole floating above everything, but she's not dead. She's just she's just playing black and white. She is in fact playing Peter Molyneux's black and white, playing the part of white currently. Yes, it's great. Yeah, uh, here Vin discovers that. Uh, in a way that is even more so than any other character has with things like the Well of Ascension, uh, Vin has ascended, has joined Ruin in this, this kind of realm of gods, and now can see kind of the whole picture. And she's not very good at it. And it's very <laughs> difficult. It's hard. Admittedly, there's a lot of nuance here, but here, let me just scrub this away. Oh shit! Wait, I'll, I'll move the earth. Oh, it's tsunami. Oh. Shit! Oh. <laughs> it's tough uh, to be god. It is. I mean, I kind of, uh, nice reference. Um, I, I kind of, I really like this scene because I still, I will admit, even by the end of the book, I'm still not totally on board with the "Hey, the Lord Ruler wasn't that bad" reveal like discussion. But in terms of specifically using the power of preservation, 
I appreciate that, like, yeah, Vin does the exact same thing he does of, oh, I see a problem. Yeah. I know how to fix that now. Oh, shit. No, that doesn't work. Okay, well, then, and you're, you're, it goes so fast, your brain doesn't even think to undo it. It's, I'll figure something else out to fix that. Um, and the fact that she falls into the exact same um, scenario as he did is really interesting. Yeah, no, this is something that we've kind of seen now of it didn't really have a chance to happen when uh, when Vin took up the power in the well. But yeah, this is kind of not a thing that people are equipped for. And there's this kind of ongoing question of the actual you know, ethics of what Rashik did. And it's pretty clear that he was a horrible person. <laughs> but like is he to blame for totally screwing up the the planet of Skadriel? We see what Vin manages and the answer is maybe not. Maybe Rashik did an okay job given the circumstances. <laughs> I was just going to say like, yeah, I guess. He made problems and he fixed the problems to the best of his ability but by making everything kind of shitty. But uh, the people survived, so I don't know. We'll take it. I also find it like both legitimately clever on Ruin's end and kind of darkly hilarious that like it becomes apparent pretty quickly that Ruin and the power of Ruin and the power of preservation can kind of block each other, that they hold mm -hmm. each other at an impasse. And Ruin just sort of lets Vin dick around for a few minutes before <laughs> he starts actively blocking her like, I know how this is going to shake out. I know what she's going to do. I'm going to just let her play. And then when she tries to stop the tsunami, that's when I'll step in. Yeah, it's... Uh, this is even more than we saw in, in the chapters coming up to this, that Ruin was being kind of a little more upfront uh, at the point where, uh, where he was kind of thinking that he had won. And this even more so. You know, he, he's now... He's on an equal playing field as Vin, but he's also so much more experienced and more aware of, of how these circumstances work. And so he does just kind of toy with her for a bit. This does lead to a, an interesting a detail, and I don't know how I feel about it. It makes the kind of exchanges between them, like, read easier. But, like, three or four chapters ago, Vin had the big realization of, like, to call Ruin he would be humanizing him too much. This wasn't it. And then as soon as they start talking to each other, it's always he again. And I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, that's... And, you know, we saw um, with Elland several chapters back, we saw preservation's body, question mark? And, and so there is still that kind of opening question of, you know, what is the humanity here? Yeah. And it's not until later on, but there's a point where Ruin starts acting very human all of a sudden. And in that moment, it makes way more sense. Um, but yeah, while he's still here acting like he's in God mode, it was interesting and a little strange that Vin had that big like self-realization earlier and then flipped right back to he again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this is the the state of things. Vin is is experiencing this this power of preservation. Uh, she's experiencing some other things as well. She notices that uh, the metal in the world is also kind of blinding her now as well. 
So that's confirmation for Vin that yes, the the way that that metal works does hide things from ruin. And yeah, there's there's a balance here. These two powers seem to be kind of exactly evenly matched, even though they have different different intents. Uh, and it's interesting that they're exactly evenly matched uh, because as Ruin says here, preservation gave some of himself up to uh, to kind of endow humanity with, for lack of a better term, uh, which is something that we saw discussed in the epigraphs previously. And so if that was the case, then shouldn't Ruin be more powerful? And so if they are equally matched, then Ruin is still missing some of its power there's also a very subtle world building hint here and i don't know exactly what it means but i think a couple episodes ago i brought up the idea of okay well if preservation of ruin created humanity on skadriel what does that mean for the rest of the cosmere and ruin has a little line saying um that preservation wanted to create something that could preserve and ruin something in the form of that which we'd seen before mm-hmm I have no idea what that means, but um, <laughs> that was a very interesting line that he does not expand upon in any way. It is interesting. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll, I can't even say we'll get to that because like, I know more things about that, but I don't, it, Brandon has <laughs> said. really, that, really gotten that. Yeah. 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 Brandon has said that like far past Cosmere things, those are a story for another book that has not been written. So we're all going to Rafo on that one. Some kind of <laughs> nauseum bullshit, perhaps? We'll see. Mm. I don't know. I don't fucking know. Ad nauseum. <laughs> that one word that appeared once that they said, I don't know what this means. Anyway. <laughs> I just want to see the Final Empire, Hunter Gatherer Edition. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, what uh, What state were these people created in? Who knows? So as we we wrap up the chapter, Vin is trying to kind of get a sense on where things stand. Uh, she is realizing that Ruin has these, these pieces that can be moved about the world in the form of, of hemologic constructs, and that that's a pretty significant advantage. Uh, though one that is, is lessened given that Vin managed to kill almost every single Inquisitor, which was awesome. <laughs> awesome. But yeah, the Kolos are marching on Luthadel, and they are, uh, they're, that's going to be quite a powerful force. Uh, and then Vin sees one last, you know, kind of bit of hope, uh, is that Elend is also heading there towards Luthadel. I also always love a good moment of bad guys monologuing and the hero is just like, I don't, I don't care. I'm going to focus on something else right now because she notices <laughs> Ellen and explicitly says like, she stopped paying attention. Yeah. And then this is such a great like movie cinematic shot. The, the long overhead view of, of Ellen, you know, doing his, his thing, jumping over to Luthadel uh, from way above. And then you zoom in and then we're moving to chapter 77. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I really like it. You could have, like, from Vin's perspective, you see that the horseshoes are kind of spears of light, and as we zoom down in, it, like, kind of switches to Ellen's POV, and they're back to just be horseshoes. Yeah. That's, that's good shit. <laughs> One thing that won't be in a movie is a 
brief digression to talk about the mists and allomancy. <laughs> no, I think we should pause and have that little monologue piece and then keep going. Can we do like a silent movie thing where like it, it just cuts to a black screen with white text? <laughs> well, I was thinking if you want to adapt the epigraphs in the first two books, it would work as narration, but it would absolutely not work as narration in this book. So how would you do that? <laughs> yeah. And it's an it's an interesting question. And I'm going to tangent here because when when Michael Kramer reads Hero of Ages, he reads the epigraphs as says it. Interesting. And I think it is, I, I think it's, it's potentially being played off as this is a, this is an in-world book. And if anyone is going to find an in-world book, it would probably be says it. And then he would be the one reading through it like he did the log book. But yeah, it it is, it is the same kind of cadence and tone of voice that, that we know. Interesting. There's also another point much later in the Cosmere that we are going to have another small bit of writing that is by Sazed. Uh, and I have full confidence that you two will pick up on it, given how accurately you did in this book. But again, in that audiobook, and it being a completely different book, but also narrated by Michael Kramer, you're listening to it and you go, hey, that's Sazed again. And it just makes me hey. smile. <laughs> But yeah, we uh, we have written out here the things that we had seen where the mists react to alamancy and also to hemolurgy, uh, pulling towards someone or pulling away from them. But then we go to Elland, who has now arrived in Luthadel at, I mean, what's left of, well, Critic Shaw is, is utterly gone, is is just a crater in the ground. As if pounded by the fist of a god, which is one of the coolest lines in the book. And is almost what happened. Yeah, not entirely inaccurate. Well, no, I think it's even cooler that she was getting her superpowers, but she was not in god mode at that point. Compared to where she is now, <laughs> she was just Vin being very cool. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's that's true. But one thing that uh, Ellen does not find here is Vin which was kind of his his purpose of get back to Luthadel, find Vin, find what's happening there, and she's just gone. Uh, and there's there's more confusion as uh, he he makes it to Keep Venture, which was kind of the actual ruling house of the city. Uh, King Penrod is dead. Uh, it looks like has has taken his own life there. There's a a a note scrawled on the ground. Uh, Penrod apparently was aware of the effect of the spike on him. Uh, and we'd seen talk of how the, the number of spikes and the size of spikes shows how much influence Ruin could have. And Penrod, who also we saw was a, you know, a, a competent, smart person had the ability to to recognize what was happening and write this note and as he says better to kill myself than to cause more destruction yeah <laughs> look toward the terrace dominance for your people terrace it is a very odd place in which to seek refuge <laughs> how many times are is preservation or vin servation gonna point toward terrace for with old elland I mean, she kind of does the opposite here, where 
with the the aid of some whispers from beyond uh Ellinge does manage to remember a very crucial bit of information from the last book uh, which is that written text cannot be trusted and so perhaps there is something in this note that is misleading uh, and so he he follows that line uh that line of thought of going to the terra's dominance doesn't make a lot of sense but if it was just a small change and they had gone to the terrace people, that would be much closer and, and actually reasonable. If he says go to terrace, I'm going to go to the opposite of terrace. <laughs> so there. And I mean, it works. Yeah. <laughs> it it kind of does. Uh, yeah. To the pits. And then we do see just a, a brief glimpse of this from the kind of other realm uh, where Vin knows how much power she holds and therefore how much power Ruin holds and what it amounted to in the physical world was changing a single word and that didn't even work so that is uh, that's the the thing that Ruin finds itself eternally frustrated with is this this balance between them and how it has, you know, we we don't know the exact time scale, but it has been essentially forever that these two have been in kind of perfect opposition. And I do love Ruin getting vocally salty about the fact that stump balance, the stump balance makes it so I can't <laughs> just do everything the way I want. Um, yeah, in this chapter, there was a little, it was like one paragraph about how the sun fully just dropped out of the sky and <laughs> i know there's a lot of things to like focus on but i kind of wish there was a little bit more exploration of that because i feel like that's legitimately terrifying like when oh yeah that, that's that's one of those things that you really really take for granted and when the sun doesn't work the way it's supposed to that has to be just like <laughs> viscerally terrifying yeah i was amused when we were getting that from ellen's pov on page 686 yeah. We get, quote, things were happening. Yes, Ellen. <laughs> sure yes, are, they man. were. <laughs> but just picturing all of this happening in the in a matter of seconds, ash stops falling, sky clears up, and then the Earth literally like rotates away yeah. from the sun, <laughs> and you feel the Earth rotate under your feet. It just yeah, goes. that's uh... that's got to be disconcerting. Ugh. Yeah, uh, and then following this, we get a entire page of epigraph uh, about the kind of metaphysics of the power of gods on Skadriel and the way that they are present in the world. And it's interesting. It's kind of strangely timed here, if I'm going to be honest, uh, <laughs> in that, like, I'm not in the mood for a lecture at this moment, but it is, you know, it's it's interesting information to know on the way that these uh the this godly power can exist in physical form uh and the way that uh, the way that it interacted with the pits where this atm would get produced uh, it would get collected and then when it was burned it would eventually kind of return to the pits kelsey's destruction of it would have been long but temporary just a few hundred years nothing to the final empire pretty much no time at all 
Yeah, you know, just a couple hundred years. No big deal. Hey, Beth, how long is it between Era 1 and Era 2? Huh. <laughs> it's about a couple hundred years, isn't it? Ah. Don't, ask, don't ask Beth to do math on the spot. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, in, in during Pride Month? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's a couple hundred years. We'll just eh. sit on that. That's fine. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, into chapter 78... Uh, Sazed has been captured uh, and he's somewhat nonchalant about it and that his first thought is this is without a doubt the oddest dungeon I have ever been in <laughs> yeah I, I, if Brandon's not going to be up front with his Princess Bride references I highly doubt he would confirm this but is that a Pirates of the Caribbean reference? <laughs> was that out when this book was released? But you have been in it. Yeah, so. but you are imprisoned. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 2008. 08? Yeah. yeah. Pirates, Pirates has is... to be older than 08. Well, my brain is telling me Pirates came out in 01, but that seems way too early, right? That's too early, right? Uh, Pirates won 03. Not off okay. by much. Jesus. Right. Which I believe yeah. predates Brandon's entire published career. Yeah. I yeah. think Elantris was 05. Yes. So confirmed. It's a ripoff. <laughs> yeah. So I I uh I looked up the publication date, which is why I just had it right away. Um and I did it to figure out when black and white was published. That's also relevant. <laughs> that was like late two thousands, was yeah. It was two thousand. So so I I was like, he must have been playing no, maybe. Maybe if he likes like the retro stuff, who knows? But probably not. I mean, Brandon does uh, quite enjoy uh, playing games, so yeah, it's possible. Legend has it says he's still playing Elden Ring. <laughs> and still oh, has not spent any of his, his currency. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Sazed has uh, been imprisoned in the, the Kondra homeland, and so it is a prison meant to hold Kondra, which makes it very strange to, to hold a person there. <laughs> also poor guy he, he's, he says you know this this wasn't meant to hold a person much less a tall person and so he's no. just cramped and as someone who is 6'1 I have immense sympathy <laughs> I also appreciate that like a lot of this first page is he's reflecting on his events but there's also certain aspects of classic Sazed of like I guess it would be shaped like this because you know a chondra wouldn't really How need do you like imprison a chondra, right? Yeah, and the more <laughs> he thinks about it, eventually he goes, "Well, Vin's gonna show up eventually, and I need to be ready to help, so I gotta escape." And I love yeah. that that line of thinking; it's amazing. <laughs> also, in between there, he thinks this is silly. The world is ending, and I'm in prison. <laughs> Oh, it's I haven't had anything to eat, and the only thing I've had to drink is shirt water. Yeah, <laughs> life sucks. Buy it now. <laughs> shirt, shirt water. Oh god. This is our first sponsor of the episode. Oh, no. Shirt water. <laughs> no, it it is. Uh, it, it's funny in a not a haha funny way for Sazed in that he's. He's dealing with problems, you know, he's in prison and it's uncomfortable and he's hungry and thirsty and all that, but it vastly pales in comparison to the problems that are going on in the world. <laughs> but the one thing he does have at this point is faith that 
Vin is going to come save the world. And so, yeah, like you said, he he needs to escape. And starts up uh, storing that power, baby. Yeah, that it's it's the only thing that he knows he can do right now is he he has access to iron and steel from the the bars and the lock, and so he can store uh, weight and speed, which don't really do him a lot of good yet, but they might come in handy. Is it weird that it feels to me like the worst part of this metal mind filling experience would be that both metal mines are over his head? So he did just have to be reaching over God, himself, holding his arms up for hours. There is something that's that's uncomfortable about that. And it like the cell is so small, you can't even really like put your weight on it. You have to be like flexing muscles to hold your arm up, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So after that kind of toil, uh, we get the return of a, a familiar face, or at least a familiar voice at first, and then a familiar face because ten soon has returned to make a dramatic rescue. <laughs> and he's a dog again. And he's Yay. a dog again. Hooray. And he's sassy again. Yes, he is. <laughs> yeah, complete with dramatic, bitchy one-liner. Uh-huh. I sent you back to save my people, and you're here in this hole. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> and Milan did something. And Milan, Milan is, is here. here. She is here. She, she unlocked sure, the grate. Sure carries those keys. Yeah. Yeah, with her opposable thumbs. <laughs> so yeah, there's a, a bit of a, uh, a reuniting here and, and catching everyone up to speed, where apparently the, the message is that the first generation had ordered Sazed to be imprisoned, and he has to clarify that uh, the the seconds are the seconds have staged a coup essentially, and uh, Milan has some frustrating naivete. And and says it in ten sooner. No, there's gonna be shitty people everywhere. Hate to break it to you. <laughs> Wasn't Milan the one who's like ten soon? Why aren't you the revolutionary overthrowing mm-hmm. the society I wanted you to be? <laughs> well, and and as says it notes, apparently some of the Chandra who are here alongside them are somewhat in that vein. They they're on this because of the. The, the Chandra revolution where they're going to throw off their human masters, which I mean, I guess it's good that they're willing to stand up and do things now, but also really not the time. <laughs> There's a, a brief combat here where a lot of the Chandra are not really accustomed to, uh, to fighting and violence in their own form. Uh, Tensoon, fortunately for our heroes, has no such reservations. Uh, and is willing to to just go for it, and is quite a capable combatant. Yeah, but the way it the way it describes it is uh just uh, I just picture him knocking them over over and over. That's basically all he can do. <laughs> he kept moving, knocking them over, just run into them over and over, back and forth, back and forth. He claws at them at one point. Uh, scratch ya. <laughs> Well, and and then the the dignity of this fight vastly improves, in my opinion, when Sazed joins the combat uh, as one of the the Chandra uh, tries to attack him. He grapples with this Chandra, taps the the weight that he had stored in the iron grate and then falls on him. (laughs) Elbow drop, baby. Yeah, it's an elbow drop from a standing position. 
where he just kind of, he doesn't jump or anything. He just goes down. <laughs> well, he can't jump. He has to camp. That's his only yeah. viable fighting strategy That's here. true. He does need to stand in literally this spot. It's, you ever play with like a, a fighting game like Smash Brothers and there's a, a guy who knows one move, but he's really, really good at that one move. So he literally just waits for you to approach. And then it's like one of the side B's that grabs you and body slams you. That's what Seiza's doing here. <laughs> It's it's Donkey Kong. The only move is to grab you and then try to walk off the level <laughs> with you. <laughs> like Swole Zed was fun, but I really love the clever ferrochemical fights oh, yeah, like this. For sure. Yeah. Like the the fact that eventually I think it's a little bit later with the hammer, we, we figure out that uh weight plus speed is basically strength. Yeah. Yeah. Equals MA. It's true. Alchemy, baby. No, Farukami. Oh. oh. Wait a minute. Is he increasing his weight or his mass? This is actually discussed in world several books later. I hate I hate to rave for you on that. <laughs> because if it's because if it's F equals MA, that doesn't actually that's not the equation happening here. Yeah, I. God damn it, Brandon! I, I hate to rafo you on this, but that is actually discussed in World. God damn it! <laughs> I also love his self-aware musings just before he gets in the fight. Of like, I keep saying I'm not a fighter, but I've just been in too many by this point. That excuse don't really hold weight. I feel like you never see that. <laughs> it just it tickles me. Yeah. Well, and then after this bit of the the combat ends. Uh, the Tensoon says, I thought you were a scholar. And, and he attempts to say, I am. And he compares himself to Vin, which would make anyone look like not a, a fighter. Yeah. And then Tensoon interrogates Fuckwad. He does. <laughs> Lord Farquad. <laughs> you, you're, you're not wrong. His name, to be clear, is Forkood. But I wrote it as fuckwad for everything. I have to imagine you weren't alone there. Yeah. <laughs> he, he is, and the name sounds very similar. So there you go. So yeah, Tensoon gets to rub, in the, rub it in their faces of, you call me the traitor, and you're the ones who attempt a coup. So how'd that go for you? <laughs> but the, the thing they discover... Uh, shortly afterwards is that there are Condra uh, here they're very kind of it, it's hard to say because these aren't humans and we can't like ascribe human body conditions to them but they're not in good shape uh, because these are the first generation who have been imprisoned here and so they that our our party here gets to find some bones for them uh and hope that the the first generation can uh return to uh to to their their ability there milan unlocks more cells with the keys and then goes gets bones there you go exit milan Go to the bone bank, because the bones are their money. Money. She does come back with the bones. We get to see her again. Yeah, oh. she does. 
Tattoon tells fuckwad, give up the bones. Hand over the bones. Yeah, he gets to pull the same trick that he did before, except now we actually get to see it, uh, where he says, how about I just impersonate another Chandra? Because somehow nobody ever thinks of that. Yeah, who would ever fall for that? <sighs> um, also, he unfortunately <laughs> gives Zane credit for the idea, which... I, I know he can come up with it, but we don't have to give Zane credit for things. No. <laughs> Every now and then when we were talking at the end of Well of Ascension, or near the end, and you would, were theorizing about how relevant Zane would continue to be, and I thought about how entirely irrelevant he was to Hero of Ages, <laughs> I was like, just hang in there, Caleb, it's gonna be okay. <laughs> This is like the second or third time he's mentioned all book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which, honestly, fine. Yeah. <laughs> I think the idea here is sound. The whole, you know, the take his body, impersonate mm -hmm. him. But you have different blessings, Tensoon. You have four. He only had the two. Well, presumably you can make your skin not, like, if the skin's not translucent, you can... Make it so they can't quite see the spikes, baby. All right. Hide them behind be forward, your ribs or something. Forward, face, forward facing at all times. Don't look at my shoulders, please. <laughs> don't, don't look at my back. I'm, I'm ashamed of it. It's me, front facing for Kood. Just back to the wall at all times, like sliding against it. How do you do, fellow Chandra? <laughs> he says, actually also being a Chandra. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, Sazed makes a, a drastic mistake at the end of this chapter uh, as he uh, he takes stock of things and he says, we, we have the first generation again. They'll take some time to regenerate, but that's okay. Uh, Tensoon will, will distract the, the seconds and we'll deal with that. Uh, we'll, we'll have, it might take a couple hours, but it'll be okay. What harm could they possibly do? <laughs> To be fair, the fatal mistake is asking a rhetorical question that is tempting fate. The gang does harm. We have another long epigraph going into chapter 79 about more about the way that the mists behaved. This is the one that does confirm... Uh, some of the things that we had been clued in on, on the way that the mists were behaving with Vin, uh, and that the three times that she was able to draw upon the mists were the three times uh, that her earring was not in her ear. So there you go. Got it. <laughs> this is uh, the epigraphs are getting a little funky here. Of like, I know there, I know for the sake of the book, from Brandon's perspective, we have to keep with the mystery. Vin is being referred to in the third person, but it's being very specific never to actually say the name Vin until, like, the very last epigraph. <laughs> from Sazit's perspective, why is he doing that? <laughs> <laughs> the drama. Yeah, maybe he just wants to be a storyteller. But in universe, doesn't this book start with him saying hey it's me guys <laughs> yes yeah good question oh, <laughs> <Rafo>. <laughs> yeah next question 
uh, chapter 79, we, we return to Vin and preservation and, uh, she can feel that, that something, something has changed. There's some new development. Things are happening. Things are happening. Things are happening. Uh, it, it is also kind of a weird, interesting note in this state of the world where she, she thinks about it as following ruin, uh, but she's omnipresent. And so it's, it's more of just kind of a shifting of attention. Uh, but, but to her, what, what's left of her mind of human experiences, she is following ruin over there. I say gesturing like someone is following someone else. <laughs> In this visual medium. Correct. And so we are back to the pits uh, where we see Con Par trying to fuck everything up. Man, fuck Con Par. What is this plan? <laughs> but, like here here take adium t- trade it for human he's gonna find like roaming humans and and they're gonna be like fucking look around what are you talking about just take the weapons for free i don't care the world's dead gonpar has notably not taken the economics lesson that yeoman was offering earlier. right right <laughs> well, and even aside from the end of the world i'm pretty sure that like back in final empire I'm pretty sure Kelsier at some point or someone talked about how, like, unless you have the right connections, ATM is actually kind of difficult to sell because it is so valuable. You know, it's it's like trying to to do a deal on the street with an ingot of gold. Yeah, right. <laughs> Fuck am I going to do with this? Right. Can I go buy booze with this? No. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, so here is Kanpar trying to enact his weird coup plan. Uh, he's taken some of the ATM. He's going to go sell it off uh, to uh, to fund this, this overthrowing. And now Vin and therefore also uh, Ruin realize that here's where the ATM has come from. It must be hidden at the pits. There's also another weird moment of Lord Ruler apologizing, where she's like, "This this strategy to keep it all hidden was amazing, but you know, it it was well thought out and good." But it's she like has this solemn moment where she thanks him for all he's done. It's like Vin, he did execute hundreds of people in the square for no fucking reason, man. Sure did. It's okay if we're not a hundred percent on board with him. Yeah. yeah. I love Caleb's notes. LR was still an <laughs> asshole, Vin. Yeah. He, he, still he had fountains that didn't work unless they were flowing with blood. <laughs> yeah, that's... That's a step you can't come back from. Are we the baddies? The second you make a fountain for blood, you are the bad guy. You don't know what I do for mankind. And also make sure the pipes can pump a viscous liquid. Ellen's looking at the fountain actively spurting blood. It's like, he got a little carried away. (laughs) He just just got a little little lost. He's misunderstood. So misunderstood. He did so much for us. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Lord Ruler. (laughs) God bless you. So, 
yeah, with the Lord Ruler not here to enact his benevolent plan for the world, I guess. Uh, here is Akandra. It's it's Kanpar who is going to uh, to to take this ATM somewhere. Kandra are hemorrhagic constructs, and this one gets uh, taken over by Ruin, who now can just ask, "Where is the ATM?" And the jig is kind of up for that. So not looking good for our heroes in this particular moment. I do appreciate that Ruin tries to get straight to the point and he has to like cut through the bullshit of everyone going like, what? what's that voice? Who are you? And he's like, yeah, I'm your God. All right. Tell me where the item is. Yeah. I'm God. I'm in charge. Tell me where it is. We have uh, just a moment. This is going to be a thing that happens in this chapter and all the, the upcoming chapters where the, the POV jumps are going to increase in pace and often just for a, a couple of uh, a paragraph or two to figure out where people are. Elland has arrived at the pits. Uh, the He has found the army, the portion of the army that he sent back with Captain Demo. Uh, and he is going to go speak with the leaders. We'll check back with him later. Back to Sazed. Back to Sazed. And this is kind of the the key moment for uh, the Chandra because uh, they are they're regrouping. The the firsts have started to kind of put things back together. Ten soon, uh, and one more time we see Milan here. Uh, they they're they're getting back together. Uh, Tensoon says that strange things are going on. Caesar asks for an example. Tensoon attacks him. That's a strange thing. <laughs> Provides Ask a good example. Yeah. Straight Thanks for happening. <laughs> I'm burying you. <laughs> <laughs> I can barely keep myself from crushing your throat right now. Yeah. I- I do also love Sazed getting really sassy with his thoughts here. He is actively yeah. dying, and it's like, it wants me to kill you. You're, you're doing a pretty good job. <laughs> yeah, not uh, not the time, but I think Sazed can't turn it off. But the the, the one thing that, that does still transpire here uh, is that Haddock, the, the leader of the first generation of Chandra that we've seen, uh, is that Haddock declares that the resolution has come. Tensoon is reaching towards his own sh- shoulder and says it blacks out. Off-screen Jonestown. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, to move on from that thought, I have a quick world-building question. <laughs> sure, um, let's go with that. Well, I'm just curious because all of the first up, my first question is: Do we know exactly how many spikes Coloss have? I uh, I believe four? it's four. I, okay. I believe we've heard that it's it's five people to make a Coloss, one body, and then four people killed to make spikes. Gotcha. It is really interesting that like all the Contra feel this happening, um, but the only one who like physically does something really big is Tensoon, who is uh, kind of physically under the control of Ruin. And Tensoon's the only one with four spikes. Yeah. Hmm. Just a cool little detail there. Uh, with Sazed being unconscious in the present day, we will have to turn to Sazed in the non-temporal other time uh, to explain some of what just happened. Uh, 
which is going all the way back to an offhand comment that Tensoon made to Vin in Well of Ascension uh, that the Chandra were of preservation. Uh, and how does that square up with them being hemallergic constructs? Uh, and what Sazed thinks is that as they were the the last uh, hemologic creation, they were kind of the most carefully done. And they were intended by the Lord Ruler as a sort of double agent, where they would be ostensibly something that Ruin would be able to take control of. But with the the limited amount of control that Ruin would actually have, the Chandra would be able to do what we saw here, uh, implement the the resolution and take this this piece away from from ruin which uh sam says great <laughs> they, they were trained something something now ruin can control them because they know how to kill themselves and just to all clarify right. this is like a willing choice on all of their parts yes all yeah. right i have a question that we can address at the end of the book okay Yes, this was a this was nothing more than an extremely strongly held kind of tenant of the Chandra people was that there will be a time when the resolution comes and when it does we must remove our spikes. Chapter 80 itself ever closer to the end of this book and with literally 3 chapters in an epilogue left there's still a lot of book in this book. There's quite a bit of book in this book. Yeah, there's, there's a lot. Yeah, uh, so here is Elland with Captain Demo. We get to see him again. Hey. Yeah. Uh, and it seems like th this is kind of the a, a bright spot right now where the people, the, the force that Elland sent back to Luthadel has been able to do some good here. Uh, alongside the the terrace people who came down from their land in the north, uh, and with the the organization and kind of continuity of the terrace, uh, the, the structure of the the terrace society, uh, and then also now this kind of army unit to to keep things moving along there, this is as good of a place as can be constructed while the world is ending. Which is still not great. Demo says we're starting to run low on food, but uh, you know, this is this is a a spot of of kind of hope for humanity still. This is also, I think, the fifth time in two books uh, where Elland has raised people's faith by walking by them in white. Hello, I'm I'm wearing white. Now feel hopeful. You learned a lot from Tindwell. What can I say? Ah, oh, that guy's wearing white. I'm filled with hope. <laughs> if he can wear white uh, with the ash all around, After I can do Labor anything. I can shit. go fight a god. <laughs> I, can... <laughs> I can attack and dethrone god. <laughs> Perfect. Ugh. I don't know. I mean, it's great. It is like I get it. It's fine, but I get it. <laughs> yeah. So Ellen figures out what has been happening uh, off screen for us mostly this entire book uh, is that uh, Penrod lost control of the city with his own madness influenced by ruin. 
uh, in that he started calling out traitors, having them killed. The houses turned against each other. Uh, remarkably similar to some of the things that that Kelsier had I- implemented. This is a weird poll, but I was going to say remarkably similar to the Mistborn board game you described a while ago. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, I just uh, played that a couple. Oh, God, it was like a month ago now. I have no concept of time, and I <laughs> I almost won by being on the the good guy's side and having the city fall, but it it just barely survived and the bad guys won and so i did not win it was a good game though but with ellen and demo getting a chance to to speak once again um one of the things that they do speak about is demo thinks that this was this was the right thing to do even though it was a a painful moment when ellen sent this part of the army away demo now thinks that the survivor knows I needed to be here and we needed to be here. Uh, And these people here prove it. We can help them. And so this was, uh, this was what needed to be done. And Ellen thinks over this story and, you know, has some quibbles with it. Uh, But then he realizes that, you know, we should, we should check. These were people who, felt the mists and therefore could be alamancers so that could significantly change our our fighting force so let's let's take a look at that we'll test them for coin shots thugs and lurchers and nothing else because we don't care right now <laughs> yeah That's he's it. narrowing it down even further last yep. time he at least named <laughs> tin but now yep. he's like tin eyes fuck him <laughs> we can no see Colos coming there's no mist anymore that is true there's no um, I was disappointed by the fact that apparently that was all that we'll ever get of Kelsier. Like, uh, of, te- of Tensunseer. Oh, yeah, that was on my, like, uh, bullet point list of, of end of the book wrap up. But, like, yeah, Kelsier's bones, aside from that scene in Luthadel, actually didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah. I-, I was very saucy when I was writing my notes for this. And I don't 100% know why, because I did enjoy my reading. <laughs> But I, I wrote, uh, Tensoon, using Kelsier's bones for 12 seconds, was able to convince two random door guards to convince people to seek refuge by the pits of Hathson. Then, while stuffing bones into a sack, was able to convince a small gaggle of people to ask the two random door guards what to do. And that worked. And, and now we're here, in the pits of Hathson. He's very persuasive. It was all oh. he needed. I did not bring it up at the time, but um, in the the annotations, Brandon does expound on this a little bit. Uh, apparently, during his uh, uh, his initial drafts uh, and the 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 writing group that he was working with, there were a couple of people in the writing group who, when Tensoon left Luthadel after impersonating Kelsier, they said hang on, those would be very important. He should, like, why, did, why didn't he keep them? Like, it's, it's weird that he left them behind. Uh, and I guess Brandon thought that it would be less, like, he could get away with it better if Tensoon did bring them along and then just that got dropped eventually rather than having that one moment of he uses this very influential technique and then just leaves it. 
if I were in that first draft writing group, I think I probably would have recommended that there be a cool moment where Spook's dead, but then there's a question of do we use Kelsier's bones or Spook's bones, but that's just me. I don't know. All right, now we'll we'll find some way to time travel, which is not possible in the Cosmere, and put Caleb <laughs> back into Brandon's writing groups circa, like, 2004 or so. I Look, I'm happy Spook is alive, but out of all the theories I've come up with that ended up not being true, I think that is the coolest one. I do still really like that idea. No, I can see that. I Yeah. Caleb and I both have a couple of those theories that are, are pet theories that um, the book would be um, very different, but I think still very interesting if they actually came to pass. Such as Ellen Venture being a coloss. <laughs> this whole True. time. This whole damn time. I know I've definitely said something to the effect of, uh, I would read that book during yeah. our, our prediction mm-hmm. sections. Which I'm realizing is now a surefire way of saying that definitely does not happen. <laughs> most of the time yeah that's been the case so uh going back to sazed who has now regained consciousness so we can go back to his pov which sorry just real quick in here has anyone in this series been choked to death successfully or is that like a surefire way to survive of being choked and then blacking out and then waking up again i know there are characters in the cosmere who get choked to death I don't know if any of them are in Mistborn. I just feel like this is the fourth or fifth time that someone has been choked out and they're like, I might die here. And then they black out. And then a chapter later, it's like, oh, I'm back. I'm fine. <laughs> Why? You you pulled so quickly that people get choked to death in the cup. Oh, no, I just remembered. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> also, I was, I was um, just listening to another one of the Cosmere rereading podcasts uh, and in the section of whatever other book they're in, in whatever chapters they just read, someone got choked to death. So it was on my mind. Fresh on the dome, yeah. Exactly. I'm glad that shakes it up, because like another thing of like, they've got the obsidian axes, but man, the Inquisitors really like choking people instead of just beheading them. <laughs> like, that was a weirdly <laughs> consistent thing. Well, fortunately for Sazed, this is one of the books where it doesn't work, and he he recovers, and... The the thing that he finds uh, is that he is now in a cavern full of mist wraiths and a distinct pile of chondra spikes uh, because they did it. They did the thing that they had to do. These All of the chondra who were in here removed their own spikes, prevented ruin from taking control, and kind of gave up their consciousness there. And Sazed realizes that the immediate impact of this was that Ruin could not seize the ATM, but it was likely a temporary measure, and he is now, in some ways, the only sentient being in here. And so it is now his task to go protect the ATM. So he he goes to uh, the Trust Warren. Uh, he finds Kanpar, who is still being an asshole. He finds this this small group of Chandra who were elsewhere or were not able to to follow through, uh, who are attempting to to get into the trust and and find the ATM, and then he he goes into this room. He sees that not only are this group of Chandra in here, but also 
is a bag of miscellaneous discarded things that were confiscated from him when he was imprisoned, uh, including his full set of metal mines. And so we get again, uh, he has the, the kind of improvised uh, ferrochemical steel that allows him to, to do a, a speed burst and get over there. Uh, gets his, his full set of, of rings uh, grabs the important ones first, uh, and we have uh, we have Swolzed once again. Yeah, and it is uh, it is a moment that is a a callback in both a good way and a bad way, uh, because he is he is again holding shut these doors uh, using his strength and his weight. Uh, it mentions just like during the siege of Luthadel. Uh, which is a problem because when he did this during the Siege of Luthadel, he drained a lot of his stores and had not really had the time to bring them back up. So this tactic will not last long. <laughs> I have a, a question of... So they're still trying to get the lid open to the trust, right? That's why they're in there working away? I believe so. Okay, so... Uh, I think there's. I think there are different rooms here. Okay, it's just, it, it seems like, I, he, okay, says it doesn't get like a super good look at it, I don't think, but it's weird that, I, I just feel like it's slightly weird that Konpar has like a little sack of Atium that he gives to trade away, and he has to come back here, and they haven't gotten any more of it out. That was just a, a detail that felt odd to me. Yeah, I don't know the, the exact geometry here, but... The, the place that we do land is with, with Sazed once again trying to uh, to hold things back physically uh, and he he hopes for a miracle. He's holding out for a hero. He is in fact doing that. Going back to Elland, uh, there's some relevance to our discussion here of uh, Tensu and Kelsier because uh, Elland is is talking with some of the the soldiers here, uh, and they they talk about having definitely absolutely seen Kelsier, <laughs> and, and that it was the survivor, and that he's watching over us. Um, Elland is not sure about this, but there's a lot going on in the world right now. It seems really harsh when Elland is like, they didn't look like highly reliable witnesses. He hadn't exactly left his best soldiers behind. It's like, is it one of these yeah. Brandon's friend? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, being Brandon's friend is not a good thing for cameos in the Cosmere. <laughs> to be fair, Wells isn't dead yet, so he's doing better there, but still. Sorry, I've got a bit of a thing in my throat is sore and having to trying not to cough into the mic. So Ellen is, is trying to figure out what his next move is. Uh there are reports that Kolos are heading this way. They're going to be here before the end of the night. It's uh, it's going to be a, a tough situation. And he keeps hearing his name kind of vaguely in the wind. And decides that, you know what, he needs to pay attention to that. He's going to get a small guard. And he's going to go do it. He's he's going to go try to, to find what he can find. And what he finds is the uh, the entrance to the caves. So we actually have 
you know, we we have Ellen sees these these mist wraiths. It's a very very strange situation here, uh, and then it becomes stranger when he finds Sazed. <laughs> I, 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 I love a reunion scene. This is a particularly funny one where Sazed is so surprised and confused that he basically immediately falls over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I don't know I don't know what Sazed was expecting when he was praying for another miracle. Uh but from across the, the country, Ellen Venture showing up with a small group of, of soldiers, probably not high on his list. No. You know what I thought would be funny was if uh they went like the Dark Knight with it. Um you remember that part in the Dark Knight where uh you know, Batman's interrogating the Joker and he's like, Joker's like, he's at, you know, 17th and Woodshirt and she's at 15th and Broadway. And, you know, he, it's Harvey Dent and it's whoever Maggie Gyllenhaal's character is. Rachel. <laughs> Rachel. Rachel. Uh, and, and Batman goes to save Harvey Dent and he goes, no, why are you here? Uh... <laughs> So I'm just, I I think it would be a uh, a a a different also interesting book if the miracle was human bursting through the door to fuck shit up. <laughs> yeah, like a no, bad I, a bad miracle. Yeah, I, no, I, I kind of like that of what if someone is on their last hope and then a bad thing happens and maybe there's dramatic plot twists and whatnot and they end up surviving but yeah that i like that listen it's it's like never mind god is dead (laughs) listen you know sometimes when when you're knocked down sometimes god reaches down a hand and sometimes the elbow drops you from the top ropes okay it just happens (laughs) we all know it i will say being on your last rope and then things getting worse has been most of this book so far you know you're not wrong yeah there's also another moment of similar to um, Spook coming into a cavern, putting out the candle you were using to read, and then leaving. <laughs> because Ellen takes Demo's torch and then goes into the cave, and then he tosses the torch aside. And they mention there's a little bit of light, but the next paragraph, it very specifically states it's still a poorly lit cavern, and Ellen just threw Demo's <laughs> torch away. <laughs> Here's what I think about you and your torch. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. All right. Well, yeah, the the, the end result here, uh, the, the thing that actually does happen in this book is that Ellen now knows that the, the ATM is here. He says, great, now we find it. <laughs> uh, I can't believe you fucking wrote that and put it in your book. I did that when I was 14. <laughs> I feel like Ellen is very, has every right to think that thought. <laughs> yeah, remember when the first book of the trilogy was trying to find this stash of Adium? Like, yeah, uh-huh. this exact it's one. It's wild. I, I hadn't thought about how, like, how long this specific mystery has been going. Because it's been a very big focus of of this one. And it kind of caused the war in Well of Ascension, but 
it's kind of been a background mystery for the trilogy as a whole. And it's wild thinking back of like, no, that was the reason they planned the heist purportedly. Yeah. No, it is. It is not in any way connected to the, the original relevancy that it had, but it is still relevant here. So before we get to 81, uh, we have an epigraph here. I suppose there's a connection given that this group of soldiers here were the ones who were particularly struck by the mists. And so now it's it's time to discuss snapping and how it is kind of this dark side to Alamancy where it only does uh, manifest in a person after they experienced some significant trauma and uh, how the you know this this changed over the course of the world uh, and how originally the mists uh, only created mistings and how it i do like this as kind of a a like a long ago in world twist where ruin could not stop the mists from from making alamancers but could make them worse and so getting the the people to kind of to fear them to create this mythology of the deepness out of something that preservation was trying to to do in a beneficial way it, it works very well for the story but there's also yeah something very darkly funny about i can't stop that thing from happening but i can make it really fucked up yeah <laughs> preservation like i can fix him ruin i can make it worse i can make everything worse <laughs> Uh, into chapter 81 itself, uh, we see that this was, I mean, it, it was fairly clear, but this was Vin being able to direct Ellen to find what uh, what she needed him to find. And Ruin c- complains and stamps around a bit and says, you've got one person on your side, good for you. But, uh, but she had accomplished something, which is, has been difficult despite being nearly omnipotent. But yeah, Ruin is still, even with everything going on, uh, Ruin still thinks that he has very handily won at long last. There are hundreds of thousands of Kolos who are now converging on the pits. Whatever force Elend and Sazed managed to gather could not possibly withstand these, even with the, the sort of heroics that we've seen before. And so this is, and on top of this, Vin can tell that the, the planet itself, with, you know, with the mists gone, it is far too hot in the world. The, uh, the, the lava flows are starting up again. The, the ash mounts, which were stopped up, the, the pressure does need to still get out. And so now there's just like cracks in the ground opening and lava pouring out. So yeah, we're we're full on apocalypse now. Yeah, and so Vin, not knowing what else to do, just attacks Ruin. I think this <laughs> sentence: she didn't know what else to do, so she attacked. How many times could you put that <laughs> in this book? <laughs> we kind of did when Imposter Rian showed up. She's like, I don't know what else to do, so <laughs> I'm gonna just attack him. Yeah. Also. Rereading this page. Look, 
The amount of times between podcast episodes is sometimes unclear. Sometimes I forget if I read a passage two weeks ago or three weeks ago. It's not until now that she says I need to call it it instead of him. I thought that was earlier. I apologize. That was a dumb thing to say. Minus 100 podcast points. God damn it. Yeah, I just I, I'm just picturing now like a a, a dialogue heavy FPS like uh, adventure game thingy uh, where you have to be choosy about your dialogue options because if you run out of them, then you are forced to attack because you don't know what else to do. I don't like that concept actually. <laughs> Let me write that down. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the that's the dialogue that happens every time. I'm not sure what else to do, so. <laughs> and then you raise your gun and fire. In brackets. Glass him. Gla- yeah, all of the options are glass him if you do bad at, <laughs> at the conversation beforehand. I mean, I'm going to bring glass. up my favorite uh, Mass Effect dialogue tree, where the, the three options are, I will end you, I will end you painfully, and who are you so that I can end you. <laughs> God, Citadel is great. It's so good. So, uh, after so yeah, so we see Vin is is somehow able to kind of push this power against Ruin, but as they are still perfectly balanced, it still doesn't do anything. At least not without destroying the power that Vin is holding as well. So they remain there, still in their divine stalemate, and we go back to Elland. Yeah. The description of, like, lacerating and rebuffing and crashing into each other. I don't know a lot about Peter Molyneux's Black and White, but what it did remind me of is a movie that's not great on the whole, but has some good scenes. Uh, In Avengers Age of Ultron, there's the scene where, (laughs) like, we see Ultron in the cloud and Jarvis in the cloud, and they're kind of interacting with each other. Um, And Ultron eventually takes over Jarvis, and it it was a pretty cool scene, and that visual kind of I was brought back to my brain when I was reading this. By the way, if you haven't seen it already, you should y'all should really watch What If because it shows the danger of Ultron that was really underplayed in that movie. What If was pretty good, yeah. Yeah, What If was great. Super good. All right. Back with Ellen, who now actually does have the ATM after two and seven eighths books though he wasn't looking for it in book one one and seven eighths books yeah ellen and says are trying to figure out what to do uh and given that this is the thing that ruin has been searching for uh ellen has a a moment of of pragmatism where he says we cannot fight several hundred thousand coloss we may have to surrender the atm uh and says says that would be the end of the world instantly. That would literally instantly end the world, Ellen. <laughs> uh, but even in this moment, Sazed still has his faith. Uh, Vin will come. She is the hero of ages and will save the people. And uh, that is, it, it strikes Ellen as an, an odd moment to have faith as they are in the midst of an apocalypse surrounded by hundreds of thousands of incredibly strong enemy troops. Uh, and they have, here's the count, uh, 300 of Demo's soldiers, 
about 500 from the city, another 100 random civilians who have farming implements, and there are four entrances to the cavern. Perfect. <laughs> and of the uh, the the alimantic testing that Demo had to do, they've found almost nothing. Found some copper clouds and seekers uh, just amidst the population. That's a positive thing. Yeah. <laughs> but you weren't testing for those. <laughs> yeah, how'd you Ellen's find like, that out? <laughs> Ellen's like, you disobeyed my orders. <laughs> I don't want those. <laughs> Funny as that line is, I would have to imagine that when Demo just went around looking for Alamancers, there were a couple of people who knew that they were a copper cloud or whatever who said, well, I can burn copper. It does specifically say this group is um, a couple of noblemen who yeah. knew they were Alamancers, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Elland has to uh, find what what's he supposed to do here. They've they've spent years looking for the ATM. They've finally found it. Uh, and what good does it do? Uh, well, it does do one thing, which is it provides elementic power. And you have a, a whole group of 300 people here who reacted in a very similar way to others who we know have elementic power. Uh, and so Elland has a, a glimmer of an idea, gives Demo a bead of ATM, tells him to, to swallow it and, and see if he can get something out of it. Uh, and we see this group that was in fact uh, one sixteenth of the, uh, the, the group in question uh, are all atm mistings at which point yeah, i believe baby. both of our um uh our readers here had uh we we have caleb realizing mid-sentence in his notes uh what if they just eat all the atm oh my god is that actually going to be the plan <laughs> uh and uh, i know last episode sam you did predict that the atm was all going to be gone and in a few short pages, the ATM is all going to be gone. <laughs> I did not picture it being gone by digestion. But <laughs> what, what, okay. other verb, what other verb would you use to describe what happens to the ATM, Sam? Hork. They hork <laughs> it down. down. They hork all of it down. Don't just hork it down. I was uh, preparing to record this episode and eating dinner in a somewhat rapid fashion and all i could think about in given the previous discussion we had just been having was that i was currently horking down dinner so <laughs> thanks i guess but yeah the elland has has made a discovery uh he has he has now something that he thinks he can do he thinks that they can they can turn this fight and do you know what we get we get an on-screen speech from Ellen Venture. Yes. I wrote it down. Yes. Oh my God, an Ellen speech. On page. Mm. Is this the, f so we know for a fact that Ellen has given multiple, uh, we all gonna die, thanks for dying with me speeches. Uh, but I believe this is the only one that we've heard. I think it's the only speech of any Ellen speech that we've heard. <laughs> well, I mean, we saw like um, we've seen a couple, but they were nothing special. This is a this is a pretty good, pretty good inspirational yeah. speech. I like it as it, they go. 
you mentioned the context being similar and him giving this kind of speech, Sam. It would be very funny if it's the same speech, but he has to make little, little edits every single time. I think this one, when he says that, uh, that he is leading them to die, I think in this moment he may realize that this is more immediate than other times. Oh yeah, definitely. But yeah, we and we're watching this from Vin's point of view as this army charges this enormous horde of Coloss uh, that is would certainly mean death. And then ATM starts working. And it is it is an entire army of ATM mistings who are just being for lack of a better word incredible and and they are actually mm -hmm. fighting this this hundreds of thousands of Colas horde pretty damn awesome it is pretty damn awesome we see from ellen's point of view which you have to go back and think about it but this is the first time that he has fought with atium and it is we we mentioned this before with um I hate to bring him up, but with with Zane, uh, and the way that Straff was kind of treating ATM as this addictive drug, uh, where it's not literally that, but the the feeling of of power and just assurance that Ellen is feeling here does have some of that element to it. He'd swallowed so many ATM beads he felt as if he'd throw up. Yeah, that's horked uh, it down. Yeah, that's just, just a lot of horking down. And he he does more of that here. He downs the beads quickly and then returns to the battle. Yeah, it's but he has plenty, working. plenty of water to wash it down. He is hydrated too. That's great. Very important. Hey, you out there? Take a sip of water. You know. Yeah. Let me take a okay. moment to take a sip of water. <laughs> me too. Mm, and some atium too. Yeah. Hey, where'd you get Fork that? <laughs> <laughs> I do have a uh, a set of uh, dice that they made, where the the six on the six sided die is an alimantic symbol for a particular metal, and all of the ones that are practically able to do so are made out of that actual metal, Ooh, uh, and the rest cool. of them are made out of something that looks cool and looks like it could be that. Um. And so I don't remember one of them is this really cool, like iridescent, um, like it's, um, I don't know how to describe it. it it's, it's very cool looking, but I think the ATM one is just this kind of like very um, intense gray, if that makes sense. But sure. I, I do have downstairs an object that is supposedly a lump of ATM. I am not going to go hork it down. No horking? Yeah. <laughs> okay. No horking. I always pictured ATM as looking like a like a amber kinda. So did I, I think. Before I like Jurassic yeah. Park Amber. An intense gray. <laughs> gray, but more. Yeah. Uh but yeah, now Ruin is actually experiencing the the losing side of this particular battle, at least for a moment. Uh, and Vin is the one who is is pushing him back. 
uh, as as he's trying to uh, to affect this this battle here. <laughs> uh, so she she taunts Ruin in a way that is very like, it's great. Yeah, it's it's good. It's punchy. It's good. But just the way I wrote it in my notes, because I was like, come on, come on, come on, drumbeat, drumbeat, let's go. Uh, I wrote it as back to Vingod POV, ruin Big Mad, back to Sazed POV. Because <laughs> it just jumps back and forth and nothing like actually happens when we're mm-hmm. in POV. Mm-hmm. It's just her taunting ruin. <laughs> and the Sazed POV is, is only like two or three paragraphs as well. Right. We have we have not started talking about Sazed and the gaggle of random Jamokes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but he knows all the Jamokes, and that's nice. He knows all the people. All the Jamokes have names. Yeah, names that most, if not all of which, we've never heard before, and <laughs> never will them. again. Yeah. <laughs> There's also one way earlier. We skipped over it because it was not very like notable. I didn't think. But like Ellen is walking around with Demo, and it mentions that like a woman gave him a, a cup of water tenderly, and I was like, "That's a that's a weird thing to describe how a cup of water is handed over." And here we get confirmation that yeah, there's a random woman here who she and Demo have fallen in love very quickly. I mean, the world's ending, you know. It changes I, the mood. It's true, but I just I remember reading that being like. If that's meant to be like a love thing, that was really random. And then we get back here, it's like, yeah, no, that's absolutely what that was. It was just very quick, and we passed by it very quickly. <laughs> and we get through this, the rest of the Sazed POV very quickly. Uh, he is he's awaiting the hero. And then we go back to the battle. And at this point in the reading, I am like, I'm looking at how much book is left, and I'm like... We it's got to happen at some point, but um, it, it did make me, you know, I, I was still having hope and faith in my theory and very much reminded me of Prisoner of Azkaban where Harry's like sure that his father is still alive and is going to pop up at the lake. And at the very end, it turns out that, oh, it was him all along. He, he just, he, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy thingy. Um, and it's not quite how it goes down, but it, you know, similar vibes. <laughs> into the the battle uh we get to see this was it, it kind of reminds me back when back in final empire when vin first did a pewter drag and realized oh this is what it's going to be we are just going to burn pewter and sprint the entire way there uh where Elland has just been fighting entirely on atium for probably isn't even that long at this point you know maybe 20 30 minutes but when most people only have enough atm to last a minute or two this is this is something that the world has never seen and he and and his army here they're they're holding their own i mean it actually says they've been fighting for hours uh and they've they've probably killed thousands upon thousands of coloss and there are still there's still this enormous horde that's still coming and they're trying to desperately hold the cavern and they're they're running out of ATM, they're running out of men uh, and then Marsh shows up. Uh-oh. Marsh. Oh boy. One eye socket empty and bleeding, the other bearing a spike that had been crushed back into its skull. Good God. Ugh. 
just so creepy. Great imagery, man. And then we get a what was an extremely uh, short range and extremely small but still correct called shot. Uh, we get a human POV. <laughs> Yay! Uh, it lasts. I have this in my notes. Uh, hang on. Uh, it lasts 189 words. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, a, a short range theory that did not come true uh, was uh, my theory that human was going to save someone's life. Definitely is not doing that right now. <laughs> no, human is still doing the bad thing. Yeah, he and and this group of Kolos, led by our old friend, human, have managed to fight their way into the Chandra homeland, uh, aided by, by Ruin's control. Uh, they make it all the way there. They get into the Trust Warren. And we go back to Allenden Marsh. We'll, we'll rejoin human for another, like, 50 words in a couple of pages. Because it turns out that even with uh, Conpar's little coup falling apart, uh, it still had bad consequences because that little bag of ATM that got discovered has now found its way to Marsh, uh, who it can now fight again on, I hesitate to say even terms because Marsh has an astronomical amount of hemallergic powers, can now fight against Elland with ATM on both sides of the battle here. And with these two kind of locked in combat here, uh, the rest of Ellen's forces are starting to fall at this point, uh, as are Ellen's medals. But uh, in this fight, we do get uh, some, some elementic strangeness kind of one more time, where uh, with, uh, with Ellen's medals starting to run low, uh, he gets a, a last bit of a, a surge. He gets iron and pewter to uh, to retrieve his sword, be able to block uh, Marsh's axes. Uh, Marsh is, is trying to then push the sword away and somehow can't. And uh, Ellen, yeah, he, he has this, this moment of clarity, this, this moment of, of power. Uh, and realizes that this is Vin somehow helping him one last time. We get another gorgeous cinematic moment of him glancing sort of god Vin in the sky of like mist Vin with mist wings. It's it's just cool. I just want to see that. It's cool. And then to follow it up, we have a pretty subtle line um, of Marsh screaming and charging and it says he seemed me to trail something vast and black like a cloak behind him. Yeah. Which I assume is Ruin doing the exact same thing Vin is doing. And the idea of, like, both of these gods having their chosen champions in mm -hmm. this last showdown. It's very, very cool visual. Yeah, it really is. And then we get what I think is... it's You can't have a, a favorite moment at this point. They're just... There's favorite moments piling up on top of each other. Uh, <laughs> but Ellen coming to the end of this fight uh burning the last of his atium with duralamin uh and he sees everything basically <laughs> you know, we we've seen how atium works it lets you get 
maybe five seconds or so, if that, into the future to see how things are going to move around you. And Ellen sees so much more than anyone else probably ever has. Sight, sound, strength, power, glory, speed. Yes, that uh, <laughs> that common physical sensation of glory. Of course. <laughs> uh, Sam's notes point out that this is cool, but also a dumb idea. Kind of a dumb idea. It doesn't really... Desperation maneuver. Yeah, it doesn't really help you in the battle here. I will admit that. Let's see if my Duralumin pewter can keep me from passing out. Nope. And and in <laughs> fact, the uh, the Duralumin uh, ATM uh, leaves him. He he um, he's now burned all of his medals. Actually, he kind of returns to the present. Uh, he has stabbed uh, Marsh through the neck. Uh, which has gotten caught on one of the spikes because Marsh is an Inquisitor and this will not kill him. And Ellen has an axe buried in his chest. And with uh, with no more medals, with no other kind of supernatural assistance, this is where Ellen dies. Uh. We have we, he has a moment of of Marsh dragging him up to uh, for. At this point, I think the line is kind of blurring, like we said. This is, is this marsh or is this just ruin at this point? Uh, says, your soldiers are dead. Our coloss rampage inside the caverns. Your medals are gone. You have lost. Ellen says that we've won. Because we, we return to human just for the, the briefest of moments as they open up the trust and it's empty. The ATM is all gone. It's been thoroughly horked. It's been horked. They horked it all down. It's all gone. <laughs> so, I, did Ruin, was he just not listening to the speech? Like, it was very clear Ellen and his troops were eating at least a lot of the Adium. Is it just a surprise that they managed to get through all of it? I don't know if, I mean, I, I don't think the speech included any detail on the fact that they were going that that was the goal i guess but wouldn't have he had i assume he communicated that at some point and i get look it makes sense for ruin to not be paying much attention but i yes. feel like <laughs> ellen probably said this at some point and ruin could have heard it i think perhaps he may have been uh, in direct combat with vin at the time uh fair enough no maybe i'm just justifying things that's also possible Look, I'm totally happy with the explanation of Ruin was just being arrogant and stupid. It's just funny to me that, like, yeah, there have been a lot of people eating a lot of Adium. Turns out there's not a lot of Adium once it's all been horked. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, we, we go back to, to Elland, who says, yeah, the Adium's all gone. Th this was what you were here for. This was the entire purpose. and And it's gone. You can't take it. And so that's why we win, uh, because they've they've destroyed that that power of a god, and smiles up at Marsh as Marsh takes his head off with the axe. He smiles defiantly, which I think is a really fun, not fun. This is a very like big, bad, like terrible moment. But um, 
a very good callback to so much of Well of Ascension was Elend wondering, am I as good as Kelsier? Will I be like Kelsier? And here he has a very big moment where in the way that I think matters most, mm. um, he does definitely uh, channel Kelsier in that way. And then in another moment that I, I think is really beautiful in a way, we go back to, to Vin where she says uh, Ellen, in a way, had died a year ago or however long ago it's been at the well. And Alamancy saved his life for a time. But now he, she let him go then. And now he's actually going on. And so maybe that isn't maybe things just go that way i wondered if reading the book in in as segmented a way as we have been would make me break the streak of crying every single time i read this book and listeners it did not (laughs) it's like a literal light switch at the top of page 727 it's just like and tears time as vin watches ellen die and then the rest of this chapter keep Mm -hmm. going yeah because Vin has a, uh, a a moment to to think as Ruin is kind of raging nearby on how they're all going to die, and Vin goes through Kelsier dead to the Lord Ruler, docks and clubs during the Battle of Luthadel, uh, Yeden died with the army. Even Yeden gets a shout out. Yeden does get a mention, yeah. or Sir who we we did not know in person all that long at all. She mentions Marsh, who is very relevantly still alive at this moment, but fell to his what he currently is so long ago. And yeah, Tindwell, Tensoon, Elland. And so the thing that that she realizes uh, as as Ruin is continuing to to rage against her, and she takes this power of preservation and throws it back against him uh, in in the way that we saw that had started to tear them up. And she just keeps pushing. And this, like, this line is the one that always sticks with me, uh, is when she says, you shouldn't have killed Ellen because he was the only reason I have left to live. And takes Ruin and herself kind of over the edge into the abyss and their two minds puffed away like mist under a hot sun. Wow. Yeah. I was just picturing the, uh, you know, I wasn't like crying. I was like, this is fucking cool. Uh, I was picturing the, the, the final fist fight of the, the finale of Gurren Lagann. In which uh, Simone, the the uh, character on the Spiral team, which are the good guys, uh, gets into a fist fight with like the concept of anti-Spiral power or whatever, into a literal fist fight with this like conceptual being, and uh, kills him. It's it's really great. Um, good watch, Garn Lagan. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, it's just very badass moment (laughs) then just doing what needs to be done it's great 
the line that stuck out to me was she would not cease to function because he was gone. I did really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. And trying to, to move on from here into our final epigraph of our numbered chapters, uh, in contrast to some of the, uh, the explanations that we've got before, this one is very simple. Just says, once Vin died, the end came quickly. We were not prepared for it, but even all the Lord Ruler's planning could not have prepared us for this. How did one prepare for the end of the world itself? Mm. Because... Oh, hey, Vin died! Yes, there you go. That was the biggest buried lead award. <laughs> now <laughs> comes full circle for, for some podcast points as well. Uh, as... A deluge of podcast points. The death of Vin prior to the end of the book. It is, in fact, about five pages prior. Yes. Ten pages. But, yeah, we have seen in this divine state that ruin is gone. And the planet is still on the verge of the end of the world. Uh, and so we go to our our final POV of the main section of the book. One more time, we're back to Sazed who has, has emerged from the cavern. Uh, there's a scant few people remaining. Demo is there. Uh, Asildin, the the girl who was helping him, is there. And he he thinks that Vin will come. She has to. This is this is when the hero will will come save the world. And they they see something out there near uh, Ellen's body. And Vin does show up. Vin does show up. Uh, here is uh, Ellen's body. Vin next to him. And also a man with red hair who says it does not recognize. Of course he was a redhead. But yeah, this is this was this was what Sazed wanted. This was Vin was going to arrive and and save the world, and she's here, and the world is still going to pieces. But the thing that that Sazed then realizes is that uh, Vin's body here is giving off some sort of power that he can he can feel the power there, and it is significant and then likewise this other mysterious person there's a power emanating there as well uh, that is a, a deep black smoke that Sazed can also feel this, this immense power there and then we start going through some things about the <laughs> prophecies of the hero of ages that for example uh, would be rejected by their people but would come save them, would not be a warrior, though would fight. And then this one, this one, I thought that we'd get past y'all and, and kudos Caleb uh, yeah. <laughs> for the, for the hero of ages, carrying the fate of the worlds on his arms. Not on his shoulders, not in his hands, on his arms. And then that's it. That here we have Sazed realizing that there there is no waiting for Vin. Uh, it is time for him to take up these powers uh, to to take on both ruin and preservation here. 
and it it destroys him physically in this process he he ascends as much and even kind of more violently than vin did uh he's he's drawing in both of these powers he's drawing in all of his ferrochemical abilities as well and his ferrochemical knowledge and as one person holding both of these he's now able to control them and direct them in a way that they never could on their their own and now has the ability to to start putting things right and in another last bit that i really do love uh, and was also mentioned i believe yep sam this was one of your picks as well Sazed's stores of knowledge that he now has in particular the things that that all these various faiths believed uh give him the the knowledge now to put things right correctly yeah and holy shit it's so cool <laughs> it's really cool it, it's stunning like this is another thing that i'm like i have no idea how you'd adapt it but like oh man, just like going through each of the religions one at a time and drawing forth the knowledge that you need and just remaking the world. It's so good. This book is really good. It's very good. Wait, let me quote myself. What is religion but a set of instructions for how to run a society couched in belief? Yeah. There you go. And here it is. And and something (laughs) that I really do like uh, is that I, I believe we had gone we we touched on this before was that um sam i think this was in one of your complaining notes of (laughs) i hope they don't do the oh they're all true thing and from a faith perspective they don't you know sazed completed his his analysis and concluded none of these religions work as a as a belief system that works without faith, which he then realized isn't perhaps the thing he should have been looking for, but they did all contain their own little bits of knowledge. We go through uh, the Bennett who says it had once preached to Kelsier. Sorry, let's not skip over. Yeah. Okay. I thought you were just going to say preach to Kelsier. Um, what do they do, Justin? They had maps. I have found my new religion, everybody. I am converting on site. Uh, we have, I think, most crucially for the survival of the planet, uh, the Nelazon people who worship Trell. Hmm. Hang who, on. Uh, who had kept very careful watch of the stars. Uh, and I just like this from an astronomy standpoint that Sazed knows based on how they thought the stars looked, where the planet should go, which you totally yeah. could do. It's very cool. Yeah, we, we go through uh, the, the Kanzi, who had take very, taken very detailed notes on the human body as part of their, their focus on human death, uh, and says it is able to uh, restore the people, to, to heal the, the people of the world. And yeah, it, it, it goes all the way through. Uh, he says none of them were true, but they all had truth as he is able to to put the world right and then realizes that the world needs someone to watch over it. Uh, and it will be a hero 
who could be both preservation and ruin both and could be their god which that last detail i really did not see coming of needing both preservation and ruin and mastering both sides of the force i thought that was really cool (laughs) yeah i was (laughs) i was happy we managed to get that one little piece back (laughs) past you yeah justin i am completely agreed about like having I, i i think the like all religions are true like that is nice if someone overdone a little bit I don't know it feels a little bit saccharine for the book that this has been but having it be like very concrete like we have maps and we have star charts and like those those very firm details that come from all of these religions I think that's such a cool take on it yeah this is might be some of my favorite passages of this entire trilogy is just going through all the religions and how they help maintain truth this is very cool this is a very cool chapter i liked it a lot (laughs) and then before we get to our epilogue we have a literal page long epigraph uh sam can you pronounce this term for me that you invented here (laughs) the epigraphologue yes <laughs> one does roll off the tongue a little bit better than burnt secuted. Burnt secuted, yeah. Epigraphologue. That's kind of nice, yeah. Uh, and and it is, you know, in our printing, it is a literal full page. Uh, and I, I can remember a couple of lines from it very well. Um, but the the way that it starts, I always do remember where it just starts with Vin was special. I I love it. I love it so much. Like, I I feel like there is a version of this book where having it be like plot twist, Sazed was the hero all along, could feel disrespectful to Vin. But I feel like that was so not the case. Like her sacrifice was like, in my mind, the perfect conclusion to her character arc. And then to have like, Sazed ascends and remakes the world. And then we hit pause and talk about Vin for a little bit. I think that's just such a beautiful way to be like, this was still her book. This is still her story. Vin was special. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And the the way that he concludes this uh, with uh, some leaning into what we'll get to in the future, as he says, there is much more to this mystery uh, and he will perhaps tease it out in time. Uh, but then says, for now, I only wish to make a simple acknowledgement of the woman who held the power just before me. Of all of us who touched it, I feel she was the most worthy. I'm also very sorry. There's a detail where Sazed mentions a year before she even began hearing the thumping of Credit Shaw. That's not true. She heard it while she was with Kelsier. Why does the one remember that? Sorry. I don't know if Sazed knew that at the time. I mean, he, he's God. He, he is God now. Uh, but yeah, all we have left now is uh, our epilogue to see what happened to the people of Skadriel after everything that we just saw. Uh, And so (laughs) one more time for this book, we are going to be returning to Spook, who we all know and love. Which I will say, that was a little 10 foot putt for me of when I realized uh, the last main chapter was going to be Sazed. I was like, well, who is the epilogue going to be? Maybe Spook. And I was like, yay! (laughs) Spook, PCA. (laughs) He's back. In his his acting debut role. <laughs> He's the only one who can play the part. I'm sorry. I know you have no formal acting tr- uh, training. 
and you're currently playing baseball, but you're going to have to take the season off. Oh, I watched a video on the Cubs YouTube recently that he was in, and he is not entirely comfortable on camera. <laughs> Great, he's perfect for Spook. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. But why, exactly. yeah. But yeah, they have uh, some mysteries to kind of decipher, uh, because the last that they knew, they were uh, going down into a cavern to hide from the end of the world. Uh, the world has distinctly not ended. Uh, Spook is distinctly better, has has been healed of his injuries. Uh, Breeze says, uh, with all the things that have happened lately, a simple healing seems rather mundane. <laughs> so good to know that Breeze is still Breeze. But they emerge from the cavern and they are not in the burning city of Urto. They are in a field of green grass and a blue sky. And this would be, especially, it, it's something that I think is is easy to forget when we're reading and would be very striking in a visual adaptation. Th mm -hmm. This entire series, which in, in movie form at this point would be hours and hours, th has been this dead land, this red sky... And now here we are in a, a beautiful little, like, little meadow here. And what a, a striking contrast that would be. Yeah. Uh, they also realize that they have been reunited with everyone from all over the world. Uh, as we see some soldiers from Ellen's army, we see Ham. You made it! God, when this joke started about Ham's not dying, Beth and I, like, he's one of, like, six people who actually do make it to the end of the book. Okay, but once I realized that he has the secret plot armor all along, I doubled down, or anti-doubled down, and I held through to Ham surviving no matter what. So, I'm happy that he is here. He survived. He is the true survivor of all. And he was reunited with his wife, Mar Marda. Mar Brandon remembered the wife existed, and this was the look. All the people like being teleported close to each other. That's fine. I can deal with that. It is a little bit saccharine that of all the hundreds of thousands of people, or at least thousands of people that took part in these shelters. Ham is one of the first people to get out and then also Ham's family are like some of the first people to get out and they find each other within like three minutes of getting out of the caverns. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also very cute. It is. And what also is uh, is as as Spook is looking around trying to, to get his bearings uh, he finds a field of flowers which are the the flowers from the picture that that Kelsier had, the ones that Mare always talked about. So here they are. Also in the field are Vin and Ellen, and they are both, to quote Sam, still fucking dead. <laughs> Which is fine. It's peaceful. There was I did have a very grim thought of like Sazed had to consciously put Ellen's head back onto his body. He did, and and he says he because. Uh, we'll get to some of the things that Spook discovers, 
the first one is a large leather tome that opens I am unfortunately the hero of ages so they oh my god Jesus Christ <laughs> was not expecting that that scared the shit out of me <laughs> Sorry, you were saying? <laughs> yes, I was saying that this Harmonic is now the, the, the physical <laughs> object that has the epigraphs that we've read. But we've read all those. So what we also have is a note to Spook uh, that has some, uh, some other details. Uh, it starts by saying, uh, I tried to bring them back, but apparently fixing the bodies doesn't return the souls. Uh, and, and also adds that uh, I have spoken with our friends and they are quite happy where they are. They deserve a rest, I think. So I'm going to, to circle back one more time to my comments on what Brandon has said about death in the Cosmere uh, and, and how you can't come back from the dead. Uh, because there's a scale there. And we've seen a couple of times in this book of the, I guess, quote, mundane never found the body type thing where a character does show up again. Uh, the other end of the scale though is Vin and Elland here. Vin and Elland have gone beyond. Uh, they will not be a part of another Cosmere story. I think Brandon has said maybe there would be a way to like contact them and speak to them possibly, but the, they, they have finished their story here and mm -hmm. Brandon wants it to, to say like, this isn't something you should be looking out for of maybe they come back. So this has been their story and I think it was a very good one. Yeah. This is a, a beautiful, if very saccharine ending. There's a, there's an awful lot of apocalypse movies that end with very similar scenes. Yeah, I can see that. I, I, I'm not complaining about it. I like it, but yes, it, it has, it, I, I have seen this. Oh, well, you know, don't, don't get me wrong. As, as TV tropes is quick to point out, tropes are not cliches. Mm -hmm. Tr tropes exist because they're punchy and interesting and good. I, I agree. I think it is. I agree with Sam. It feels slightly saccharine, specifically, again, specifically a detail of Pam immediately finding his family. That's the one that really stuck out to me. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's very convenient. Um, but considering it came at the cost of Vin and Ellen and just how much all these characters have gone through, I'm on board with it. I, I, I really liked this uh, final epilogue. Yeah, I, I especially given the context of Vin, Vin and Ellen, I think, because... I don't remember which one of you said it, but well, it must have been Caleb because Sam realized 45 minutes later that he thought Ben was going to die. <laughs> but uh, at, at some point you were like, I don't think this book would have the guts to kill off both of them. Sure, have the guts to do it. They're like, well. <laughs> Brandon, Brandon sure has got guts. I, uh, Kelsier yes. died. I really should not have thought that that was off the table. That was that was dumb of me to think. <laughs> but yeah, I was I I didn't see it coming, and and I think it, it landed it pretty well. Um, there's a little there's other moments in this last Sazed writing. He says that Lord Ruler was a good man. Uh, <sighs> he makes a uh, spook into a mistborn. Um, that just kind of uh, quickly gets dropped. 
and then it ends on like a, a new game plus quest line oh it sure does to go search out the last couple of medals <laughs> of all the people to discover the two missing medals <laughs> spook great yeah spook <laughs> kind of i don't know like there's we've seen in this book that there is kind of there there he's he's been through an arc of building from the kid who was just around to someone who has powers in their own right but is still very much overshadowed by everyone else to being his own hero and i think we agreed that that arc concluded in a very satisfying fashion and so you know maybe now maybe now he is a person who could go looking for that sort of thing but it's also this this story is over and i think that includes spook so yeah it, it, i agree it's a little it's a little <laughs> spook folds the paper in his hand says everything is going to be all right finally and then pauses and looks around it's just like are there any metallurgists around i have some questions need to experiment with a few things got a hork down really some combos <laughs> What about manganese? No, don't do manganese. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Spook exploded into a, a thousand pieces. That was the 15th medal. It, it explodes you. If we could find the 16th one, that'll put them back together because they're always late. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's our book. That's our series. We made it. That's we our did trilogy, it. baby. Wow. Yeah, so the things are going to be a little different for the end of this episode. Normally what we would do is we would talk casting and then we'd talk predictions. Um, casting, I'm going to guess that maybe one of you picked a person or two for the random folks that says it is standing with. I, I picked a person. Okay. Oh, I, yeah, you go, Sam. Okay. Uh, so my casting for Garv, Harathdal, Dedry, and Asladin are all John Malkovich. Perfect. Have them all be John Malkovich? Uh, yeah, hell yeah. You want a serious casting? You give these motherfuckers screen time beforehand. Otherwise, we're being John Malkoviching this bitch. Fair enough. We're all John Malkovich. Uh, Justin, it is silly of you to think that I would have castings for those characters. I do have casting for someone else. <laughs> okay um this is just uh this is an interesting one in that i could very easily see myself um using this uh uh actress uh later on because i love her very much but hey if we're gonna see ham's wife and kids and i want it to be travis Wingham, why don't i just throw a little fun little laura bailey cameo in there we can even have ronan Aww. as the kid wouldn't that be cute that'd be fun yeah all right and so that will finish our casting for seriousness or not, uh, as people go. <laughs> I, I think we had uh, some fun discussions on some of these. Yeah. I have a couple of, like, plot questions and then discussion questions, which I think can elaborate into thoughts on the series. Sure. All right. Let's, uh, yeah, so let's see. Uh, we did also have the, the Ars Arcanum at the end of this book, which goes over... Uh, the the table of metals as it is known at the end of uh, this trilogy uh, it then goes through a a very large uh, glossary and 
Is there anything in particular that you gleaned out of that that you want to dig into? Yeah, I just I noted that um, there are indeed two unidentified uh, symbols in this uh, group of 16 on the chart here, which is interesting. Um, they're linked to duralumin and aluminum, it looks like, most closely. Um, so, mysterious. Um, it's briefly mentioned, it, it says what all these things do alimentically and ferrochemically. It says that adium stores age. That, that might have been brought up in the discussion of how the Lord Ruler's powers work, but I don't really remember that being brought up. Uh, I believe that's a thing that yeah. we knew. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Um, and then, yeah, I just kind of like glanced through the glossary and there's some fun things in here. Um, what I didn't know is that uh, boxings are called that because um, the credit Shaw is kind of... Um, it's the box. referred to as the box, yeah. <laughs> um, we also get pivotal information on the uh, character of Fedra, Lord Fedra, an infamous scoundrel. Um, it clarifies that he loves canals and also that he likes cats, which is just a fun little detail. <laughs> um, there is, I feel like we might have brought this up because I have a feeling this is what is said in all three of the um, Mistborn trilogy books. Um, but the entry for Hoyd is a mystery yet to be solved, which mm -hmm. I love. Um, there is an entry on, Brandon, why do you do this? Uh, where are you? The Mistborn Llamas. That's every single other entry in the glossary is an in-universe thing. And then Brandon just puts the one thing in here being like, yeah, I have a writing group. They're my friends. It's fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's listed I... under Llamas, comma, Mistborn, if you can't find it. Yeah, I got, uh, oh I got nothing about that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, another thing, um, Lady Patterson, who again was on page, on, on screen for like two pages, is known for her proofreading abilities. I don't know why that's there, but that's that's fun. <laughs> was Brandon just having a good time when he was writing I, this? I'm going to look her... I'm wondering if that's, like, part of the editing team at Tor or something. Oh, Maybe. yeah. Oh, oh yeah, okay. Acknowledgements. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Um, and then, Justin, you already brought this up, but Slow Swift's description does say he bears a striking resemblance to a well-known storyteller, uh -huh. which I thought was very cute. Hmm. Uh, okay, uh, Lady Patterson is not part of the, um, like, the team who worked on the book, uh, but is Brandon's friend and fellow author, Jancy Patterson. Oh, okay. Oh. And she didn't die. I mean, she might have did the whole world ending thing, but we didn't see her <laughs> die. But yeah, that's all I've got for that. Okay. So, yeah, let's let's go with... Let's, let's start with, uh, for each of you, what do you think of Hero of Ages and what do you think of Mistborn? Mm. I, those are big questions and I, I realize they may be difficult to boil down into a few sentences, but yeah. Uh, Sam, do you want to start us off? Okay. Uh, <clears throat> uh, I don't want to drag it too long, but I did write a... a a review of my equalizer. Okay. Yeah, no, wait, that that's important. <laughs> I went through beat by beat um and uh I su summarized it as follows. Uh we said that uh I I was aiming for the 18th hole from the 15th mm -hmm. uh 
uh, tee. And um, I believe that ball hit the green and had bags been sufficient to create a new hole. (laughs) (laughs) It was a hole in one by making a new hole. (laughs) Bam. Uh, Anyway, uh, just blow by blow here, I'll, I'll ramble through it. Uh, Ellen comes to Fadrick City, and things come to a calamitous end. Not very true. Concluding with Yeoman dead, he is not. Vin rescued, she was not. Ellen questioning his goodness. This is apparently no longer on the menu after a certain point. Um, Kolos running roughshod through the streets. Kinda. Not in any great amount. Uh, we'll say goodbye to human in the initial assault in a big sad moment. Nope. Uh... <laughs> No sadness for human. Uh, Vin and Ellen head somewhere to fight Ruin, mano a mano. Kind of true. Possibly the location of his body. In the end, that was true. Yep. Which is in an ash mount. Not correct. <laughs> uh, yeah, I never got time. my volcano fight, by the way. Exa- just, and that's uh, the thing. Boys, that was going to be the very friend, last sentence. Of friends, my lovelies, where the fuck did the volcano fight come from? Why I are you both... I, I don't somebody know. said volcano fight. This is not the only podcast where this has happened. I heard somebody <laughs> talk about a volcano fight at some point in my life, and I could have sworn it was Cosmo no. related, and it was going to happen anywhere. It seemed like it was going to happen when one of the ash mounts were on the fucking world map, okay? It seems, in my my assumption, you and I have been watching JoJo, and there's a big volcano fight in uh, JoJo. No, I would not. How dare you think I would get JoJo confused with anything else in my life? I didn't, I didn't think you'd get it confused, but I thought maybe it would prime you to think volcano-based thoughts. But then all of a sudden I blinked and Sam was also like, volcano fight time, baby. I was like, where did that come from? Sam, I'm so sorry to stop your equalizer review, please continue. That's okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, but uh, I believe, Caleb, you have somebody to punch um, about the <laughs> volcano fight issue. There's a um, decent chance that's a person that came from. Yeah. <laughs> that bastard lied to me. Probably not. I'm probably imagining things. I may punch him over something else. We'll see how Era 2 goes. Um, so, uh, at roughly the same time, the rest of the crew figures out where the body is, too. Not really... Um, possibly because Tensoon knows this. He clearly is something he wants to tell them. That kind of panned out. Tensoon knew where the body was. Knew a little bit more about the whole religion thing. Talked to Sazed, blah, blah, blah. Um, they, uh, which meant the crew, or at least Vin, Ellen, and Sazed, get there at around the same time as Marsh. Marsh got there a little later, but it was Vin, Ellen, and Sazed, mm-hmm. principally and primarily. Um, Vin in whatever form she was in. Uh, Marsh, Vin, and Ellen fight. Uh, kind of true, in a way. Yeah. And also some <laughs> redhead guy. Uh, Marsh kills Vin. Replace Vin with Ellen, and we got it. <laughs> yeah, that was that was weirdly close for like changing one character name. Obviously, throws the entire thing in vastly different context, but very close actually. <laughs> I was right on the border. <laughs> that snaps him out of his reverie long enough to kill himself. We never see him die, by the way. Oh, I have Still? some discussion questions for later. <laughs> we we saw <laughs> him fix himself. We saw him d- like not die, like undie. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, meanwhile, Sazed witnesses all of this and realizes he has to become the hero of ages. You're 
Possibly would have taken Ruin's body. Yerp. He feels bad because he wanted Vint to be it, but she dead. Yerp, yerp. Uh, Seiza does something to banish Ruin. Takes his body. Yep. Um, possibly destroy Ruin's body after using it to reverse the fucking up of the world he caused, in a, in a way. Uh, this also opened Seiza's eye to the importance of religion. They were opened, all right. What is religion but a set of instructions for how to run a society couched in belief? What indeed? He'll use the tenets of the religions he deleted to return the world to normal. Fuck yeah. Yeah. I did not put a lot of effort into the Seiza's predictions, but they were the ones that came the most true. Which I'm alright with. So, there you go. Um, moving from the equalizer, uh, you know, the points don't matter. They're all made up anyway. So, uh, <laughs> let me see. Uh, I have rag points about the series. I, I get to rag on the series. Here we go. Ready? Oh, no. How dare you? Um, no, yeah, go for it. I liked these books. I did. I really did. I don't like how Brandon keeps making villains friends. It is annoying me. <laughs> uh, let me go from least to most egregious. Uh, Set vigorously tried to depose Island and openly expressed a desire to take everything in the city. I can excuse it because Vin gave him the option. Join us or I will also bisect you. Great. Um, that's fine. Uh, Tensoon is more egregious than that because he killed Orsor, who helped Helsir overthrow the Lord Ruler. Orsor, who was pivotal to the plans. Orsor, who helped Vin discover Valette inside herself. Now we're supposed to just be cool with him? And he does cool stuff. And they get to, like, Vin gets to know Tensoon. She doesn't get to know Orsor, who's kind of an asshole. Uh, so, alright. Um, Tensoon, I'm, I'm okay with set i'm okay with because he wasn't like a bad guy he was a bad guy that old trope um <laughs> anyway uh yeoman is more egregious than that he drugged and imprisoned vin he had his guards beat the shit out of her he starved her nearly to death in a pitch black cash and he repeatedly expressed that he was going to execute him or her uh how the fuck can you go then oh they're friends now just buddies how, how can you do that that's ironic because I think Yeoman is my favorite iteration of villain becoming friend. <laughs> Go on. It's Quellian is more egregious than that. I burned secured innocent people, but it was the spike. I promise we can be friends now. The, the Lord Ruler is more egregious than that because he had blood fountains that only worked when they had blood flowing into them. There's evil, and then there's blood fountain evil. We've covered this in this episode and previously. Ah, the response here is approaching something, uh, something approaching any port in a storm. Um, we've also established that Skadriel, at least, has a different ethical code than we do in at least the U.S. Here in the U.S., democracy is generally a good thing. T.M. Shitty people are to be avoided or otherwise spurned. As any business class about exploiting third world countries will tell you, though, it's important to avoid ethical imperialism importing one's own ethical code into another country. Some countries like picking through trash for money, Justin. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I literally had a class like that where they talked about how stopping people from picking trash for money is bad. Uh, that was a great class. Um, yet and still, 
Uh, I don't like the Randian ethics of, oh, they're just trying to get ahead. It's nothing personal. You can still be friends. And if you think it's hypocritical of me to bring up objectivism without fully understanding it, I think it's hypocritical to die on Medicare after rallying for self-determination your whole life. So I'd call us even. Cheers, Ayn. Uh, there you go. <laughs> Sometimes then, I feel like I need to go back to college just to be able to fully be in conversation with you, Sam. I'm sorry. <laughs> that I'm is right. not a bad thing. I, 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 I think it's a point of pride that I've avoided Ayn Rand and her writings, except for one time where I had to read it for an hour into a mostly empty stadium to help with a sound check, but I didn't want to do that, so that doesn't count. I read Anthem. Anthem was pretty good. I remember. Anthem was pretty good. I think that's Ayn Rand. It is. I heard it's 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 okay. pay to play system wasn't very fun, but you know, I'm sure the book adaptation oh, was good. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It was interesting plot. Um a- anyway, the uh the the next rag point on the series, um I'm a little wary of the power creep. Uh I feel like it's just going to it's got to keep keep creeping. Um, uh, I'm glad we didn't do the Vin spoon bending scene every time for every new misting in the book. Uh, at the same time, I understand the whole Ham Ellen fight going on outside thing where everyone's a little sloppy but can generally fight. I really don't get... Maybe it was just expressed weird, but it sure sounded like Demo fucked up the Chandra, like, using misting powers... I don't think he did because he was just Adium, right? So, what are you? What? What? So you mean Coloss fucked up? Fucked the Coloss? You mean? Well, no. Uh, when when Sazed's like stop them, and and there's that brief bit of like Ellen and Demo had no problem because their weapons were made of metal. I think that oh, might I just, just be him that being a soldier. Chandra can't fight. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a physical yeah. fight at the Mistings one. All right. Well, I don't know, but uh. Anyway, power creep. Um, I got an eye on it. So there you go. Uh, rule of cool, ironically, has rules, which is once you establish a precedent, you have to follow it. So, you gotta follow it. Brendan, you have been, but I'm watching you. You step out of line. Now I'm gonna cry. Uh, anyway, um... And then I have I have just a general broad reflection on the podcast in general, which I'll keep brief because I'm rambling. Oh, but uh, I'm having a blast still, still true. Um, I just want to run through the hypothetical scenario of what would have happened had this podcast not come to fruition. Without this <laughs> podcast, the following would have happened: Justin would have heavily recommended that I read Sanderson books. I, yes, Justin would have done this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Justin and I, we recommend stuff to each other all the time. Uh, uh, I introduced him to Homestuck. He introduced me to like five dozen things. So, uh, you so also introduced all... me to Seer Rose and the genre of post-rock. Oh, yeah. Very, very good stuff. Fans. Yeah, so um, I would have encouraged you to read Sanderson. Yes, you would have heavily recommended I read Sanderson books. I would have asked where to start. You would have made a roadmap for me, and then I probably would have said, that's way too much effort, but thank you for the recommendation. Maybe I'll look at it after I graduate. Yeah. And you know what? The, I, 
the podcast made me do it. I, I get to hang out with with y'all every week. I get to put my voice once out to the world once a week. That's right, exactly once a week. We <laughs> never we never skip any weeks or do multiple in one week. Um, but yeah, I'm I love it. It's great, and I would never have cracked open this book, <laughs> it or not never, not never. Probably next year, <laughs> alone, in in my dark house all alone <laughs> why is it dark because <laughs> i don't know where the light switches are <laughs> is that a real statement i'm sorry podcast <laughs> nobody showed me <laughs> they handed me the keys and they said em. good luck it's true i can only enjoy my home when the sun is out <laughs> um anyway uh in short it's interesting perfect it's true man i'm really glad that you guys have like introduced like you know things that you really love to each other and you know genres of music and a bunch of stuff uh beth made me watch morbius (laughs) (laughs) oh lord you know friendship expresses itself in different ways I wasn't the one who bought the tickets for the, like, real D40 sound experience, though. It was the only showing that we could all make it to, because apparently <laughs> our entire friend group for no other movie is able to find a time where it all works. But for Morbius, everyone was like, as long as we can get it 2.30 this Saturday, I can make it. Cool, I'll spend $100 on Morbius tickets. Sounds good. <laughs> My god. I needed to hear Dr. Michael Morbius and all of his decibels. It was perfect. So what'd you think of the book? It's, it, it sucked, Beth. That's what. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> nah, I will, I will jump into my thoughts here. Uh, I'll start with, with Hero of Ages specifically, and then I'll broaden it towards um, bigger trilogy thoughts. And then I actually have some more specific not even really discussion questions, but just kind of like, here's a... Actually, yeah, it will end, because I think this will be fun. This will end on, does this book answer all the questions posed by the first two volumes? And I will ask the questions I still have. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I liked the book. Um, I do actually, this is probably a hot take. I think it's my least favorite of the three. Okay. Um there were a lot of moments in there that I felt they just, they didn't quite land for me. Um, ironically, I think maybe not ironically, but um, I think the biggest like thing I really had to wrap my head around and it's not because I was wrong. I love being proven wrong when I have a theory and it doesn't get, uh, um, it doesn't come true, but it surprises me in a way. Um, I actually, I still don't know how I feel about Vin and Ellen dying. And I still, I think I specifically don't know how I feel about, how quickly they died when ellen got his head chopped off that was a very like monumental moment of like oh shit this is real the consequences are real that happened and there's no going back from that and that did land with me but then it's only a page and a half before vin dies too and i don't know i do really like the the epigraphologue that gives vin a nice sending off but her like saying farewell to this story of thousands of pages It happened very quickly, and I feel like, I I don't know if her actual moments of death, for me specifically, it didn't feel like it had the weight I wish it had. Um, I, like, I'm glad to hear that it was, it's a very emotional experience for, for Beth and Justin, and I don't want to take away from that, 
but yeah, for me, it just kind of felt like, oh, okay, she's gone too. Okay, and we're moving on. Um, and it just didn't quite land for me. And Justin, I hate to do this to you, but the moment that I actually, I think, liked the least of the whole scene was Vin saying that she had nothing left to live for after Ellen was dead. Because the whole page before that is about, well, I already had kind of thought that he was dead and I have come to terms with that. And I don't know. I've never really... I'm okay with heroes making self-sacrifice, but I've never been a big fan of... I'm okay with making the self-sacrifice because my love interest is dead. I feel like you see... I, I feel like I've seen that a lot, and I feel like it's... I don't know. Are, are Spook and Breeze and Ham and Sazed not worth living for? I don't know. That moment did not quite speak to me on the level it did to you, unfortunately. Um but uh, yeah, those the, the, the ending, there were parts of it that I kind of wish had been done a little bit better. Um, and then I have another, like, a big kind of discussion question um, that, of course, I will go on a rant for about five minutes before I actually open it up to discussion because that's how I work. I'm sorry. Um, but it's kind of two questions wrapped in one. The first question is, despite all the memes and the funny jokes, did Ham get the short end of the stick? In Hero of Ages, I think a little bit. I would actually venture to say in the entire trilogy, uh, of all of the members of Kelser's original crew, he is there from the beginning, and in Final Empire, Vin gets time with Sazed, she gets time with Marsh, she gets time with Breeze, and it's literally she's going on her way to have her fun scene with Ham, that she gets interrupted and something happens and they don't actually get to have the one-on-one. -on -one. Um, in Well of Ascension, they have a sparring match at the beginning and then Ham doesn't do all that much. I don't think we even see him fight in uh, the Battle of Luthadel, even though he is the pewter arm of the group. You'd think he would be the biggest fighter. Um, and then in Hero of Ages, he has the one nice moment where he tells Ellens not to attack and that's pretty much it. And I just feel like considering he has been a member of the group the entire time you know breeze got a lot of focus in Will of ascension that ham never did i don't know if we ever get a ham pov and i don't know i feel like i considering i really liked the concept of this big strong guy who loves like philosophizing and asking weird abstract questions the trilogy never did all that much with him and i was a little disappointed by that i'm curious if other people feel like that yeah he always felt a little like comedy reliefy just a bit kind of an undercurrent of he's upbeat uh the i don't know the part where like uh, which you mentioned where he just says no you know i i wouldn't attack um was very comedy relief <laughs> it was good it was impactful but it was that's interesting because i actually really like that moment maybe because it was ham <laughs> doing something i feel like in terms of getting short shrifted it's probably either ham or dachshund honestly yeah, Doc's um, also, yeah. Because I feel like Doc's is a one scene in, in Well of Ascension is like, is he a condor or not? Who knows? Oops, he's not, but he's dead. <laughs> um, but I do I do agree that, that Ham is definitely more out of focus, which now that I remember that in a film adaptation, the other woman on the crew is going to be Ham. That yeah. also leaves not a great taste in my mouth. The, ha the the women are either dead or get pretty much no screen time. 
the two genders. It's true. Um, and kind of building off of that, I know this is this has been a subject of contention uh, since the beginning of Hero of Ages and, in fact, the Well of Ascension. But now that we have finished the book, I once more want to ask the question, should Elend have been a Mistborn? Because I'm looking back at the story, and I will say, this was a good story of Elend being a Mistborn. I think the story that was told was good. I'm not saying that was a bad decision or a poor decision. It's just that Well of Ascension sold me on how interesting it would be to have the main character, one of the two main characters of this book in a world surrounded by superheroes have no powers at all. It sold me on that story being interesting. And then it said, we're done with that story. We're doing a different story now. And I was still disappointed by that. And I really liked Hero of Ages. I just still wonder if I would have liked that version of the story more than I liked this one. And the reason that's slightly related is because Breeze got a lot of spotlight in Well of Ascension. If you don't have a second Mistborn flying around, but you have a lot of fights with Koloss, that seems like a good opportunity to maybe give him the spotlight a little bit and have him be the muscle and have him be involved in the fights. Um, and yeah, I just think like, in addition to the overall thing of how interesting Ellen's character is when he does not have powers, I think it also would maybe help balance out that aspect of it a little bit as well. Um, so yeah, I, that, that's, that was, that's, that's my discussion question of how do people, how are people feeling now? I guess mostly Sam, because I think he was also a little bit on the same page of, yeah, maybe the story would be interesting if he didn't get the powers. Um, how you feel about it having finished Hero of Ages? I mean, I've, I've come out pretty firmly on the side of we can be heroes. Uh, it's a more interesting story when one of the characters just doesn't have powers, but is useful in their own kind of way. And when that was like... <laughs> By giving him power, you took that away from us, Brandon. <laughs> you took away from us the the interesting bit of like, well, I guess he just doesn't. I I don't know. the The only problem is I don't know how the book would work if he didn't have powers. Oh yeah, it's a it's a very different strange. book for sure, and I don't know what it would look like. But I would just I would still be very interested to read that book, you know. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, yeah, that that was my main kind of my main kind of thought about the overall book and my qualms with it. Um, but that being said, I still really liked this book. Um, I thought Ruin was a very solid antagonist. Um, I was very curious how you would handle this kind of godlike being, um, and I thought it did a very good job with that. Um, I really liked kind of fighting the war on multiple fronts i thought that was a really fun idea and kind of these two cities and one has completely overthrown the nobility and one uh is still like nobility is still in charge and is trying to harken back to lord ruler days um there's a lot of really cool dichotomies um a lot of cool callbacks to the first two books that i thought were really great um and despite my qualms on the whole i think a very solid conclusion um to the book the the trilogy as a whole um, I would give Hero of Ages um, 8 Ellen heads out of 10. Um, Good lord. On the whole... I, I don't know. Maybe go, go back and check. Who knows? Um, the trilogy as a whole, I thought, has been fantastic. Uh, I absolutely understand the hype behind Brandon. His world building is amazing. I love how the rule systems all work and interact incredibly well. And they're complicated, but not too complicated. Like, you can follow them, even though there's a lot to keep track of. 
Um, he has really, really good character work. He takes characters in directions I didn't expect, but that made me really excited to see what was happening to them. Um, and he writes action very well, especially because he knows these kind of systems of world building like the back of his hand. He he introduces Alamancy, he introduces Barukami, and then he's like, and I know exactly how to use both of these concepts in very cool ways. I feel like a lot of authors who build really cool fantasy stuff will introduce something cool and then they won't know what to do with it and they don't do anything cool with it. And Brandon does not waste any potential, um, which I think is really, really cool. Um, so yeah, I, I really loved this trilogy as a whole. I know a lot of times when I'm giving my reviews and overall thoughts, I tend to um, highlight and, and hit down on the parts I didn't like the most. Um, but yeah, I love these books. This was, this was amazing. For me, I would say Final Empire and Hero of Ages are dueling for first and second place in the, in the trilogy. Um, and Well of Ascension is definitely third place. Um, not a distant third, but definitely third. That's, I think, how it is for me as well. Uh, I think if I had to give a definitive one, two, three order, like I go back and forth on this every time. I think it's <laughs> probably Final Empire Hero Well, but yeah. like ask me in six months and I might exchange Hero and Final Empire. <laughs> I think my my two and three are dueling. I think it's for me top to bottom Final Empire Hero Well, though Hero and Well can flip flop. And I fully admit Final Empire being so solidly on my on top is in no small part due to nostalgia. That book is just a warm hug to me. Um, but that's fine because art is subjective. So there. And I love it. <laughs> so there. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, I think Hero of Ages is number three for me. And I think... Final Empire is probably my number one. Well of Ascension is really close because I'm thinking back to just how cool all the political stuff was and how much I love that. Which again, I think that speaks to why I'm so hung up on this fact that I think maybe other people aren't as concerned about. Of That book really made me excited about Powerless Elend being a main character. And I really loved that. That was my favorite part of Well. I think Well would probably... And Tindwill is in Well. Tindwill's amazing. I love Tindwill so much. <laughs> I think... Well, would probably be my easy number one if it weren't for fucking Zane. <laughs> <laughs> that factor. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, I, I, I think the other thing that I think puts well so highly for me is um, I, I really loved um, the Rashek reveal in Final Empire. And I really loved once I got a hold of how the epigraphs were working, I, I'm really happy and proud that I figured out the Sazed thing and then I eventually figured out the Earring thing. Um, but in terms of like being shook by these books, I don't think there's any moment that will stick out to me as much. Honestly, in like off the top of my head, I might be able to think of something if I think harder. But out of almost any book I've read, I don't know if I've ever had like the the like sinking feeling in my stomach that I got realizing someone is fucking with the epigraphs and the things that Quan <laughs> is writing are not what the characters are reading. Like that, that realization was insane to me. And that moment I think is, is the reason why well is so near the top for me. Can I also just say, uh, Caleb going over the epigraphs last book, 
fantastic content. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh my god. True. Enthralling. Oh, aces, man. Good job. Um, but yeah, those are my overall thoughts. Um, I have some specifics if we want to get into that, but also other people have have summarizing thoughts. Guess that's a no. Good. <laughs> yeah, good book. <laughs> yeah, I. <laughs> no, I I concur. I like. I think that for I've I've said it before. I'll say it again. I am able to slog through uh, just ab- the absolute dog shit that is MTV's Teen Wolf if I'm able to connect to any of the characters. For me, a character like makes a a, a character. I will cling to to the end of days. And then you put characters in an inter- that I really like in an interesting world with a really good story. And what is a girl to do but fall in love with those books? Um, I think the the you know overall arc of Vin and Ellen's story is gorgeous. The overall arc of Kelsier's story and then Kelsier's legacy's story is fascinating. Uh, the, the magic systems are intricate and, and so well thought out and so well developed and that so many like plot twists and interesting details hinge on using those defined rules in cool and interesting ways. Mwah, so good. Um, great action in books, which is like, I'm it, it, good. <laughs> yeah, they're just, they're just really good. And I am happy that y'all came along for the ride. Yeah, uh, I guess that'll be me then. So we've all said a thing. Um <laughs> I I picked up these books on a whim uh, because we were going on vacation and I knew I wanted to read something. Uh, and they had actually, Sam, to bring this full circle, uh, I picked these books up. I picked up the, the box set of the, the paperbacks because they were recommended in a news post by Jeff Jacks on Questionable Content, which is a comic that you got me to read. Oh my god. Oh, so Wow. Yeah, it all, That's lore. It baby. all comes full circle. Yeah, I I podcast all lore. Comes back to you. I, I picked up <laughs> the, the box set. Um I think I mentioned before, uh it took me four days to read this entire trilogy. I basically did not I left my room to go read in a different place. Uh, <laughs> and I just devoured these and they they started my following of, of Sanderson from then. Um, but yeah, like it's fun to come back to Mistborn because it's, it's, it's a very, it's, it's a contained story. You get to see it develop over three books. Uh, you get some characters who I, I truly do love. Um, and yeah, it like, I, I will pretty much always be willing to, to give these books another read. Amen. There we go. (laughs) Yeah, so we've we've finished a series, which means that even more so than the last time we we finished a book, we need to talk about what's coming up next. Uh, real quickly, though, I do want to mention there is more Mistborn out there. There is a uh, we we've been referring to this as Era One. Uh, Era Two has been completed. Uh, there's four books there. They're shorter, so overall, I think it's about the same length. Uh, and we'll be getting back to those eventually. I'm not going to go into the full detail of the reading schedule yet. Um, but yeah, the, we are going to be coming back to Skadriel. Like I've mentioned, it's a couple hundred years. I think it's about 300 years later. 
Uh, and I am curious if either Caleb or Sam have thoughts on uh, kind of things that have not been answered from the the first trilogy or things that might be interesting to look forward in the future. Gunpowder. Gunpowder. Yeah, what the <laughs> hell, man? Gunpowder. That just happened. Um, yeah, I don't have a ton of for Era 2 stuff, although some of these questions might be answered by Era 2. Um, but as has been said several times throughout this podcast, the back of Hero of Ages promises that it will answer all the questions posed by the first two volumes. And I do have several questions still. Okay. <laughs> um, one of them is probably not that important, but it's st- it is a question that was asked, which is who made the spike highways out of Luthadel? Cause it Brandon could have very easily said, yeah, Kelsier made those, but it's very specifically said, yeah, Kelsier just kind of found these once. Um, <laughs> and especially with the new horseshoe method, they're pretty irrelevant now, but it's just a little question that I expected to get an answer at some point and just never happened. I imagine I never will, but just a question. <laughs> um, a bigger question what actually happened to Zane? How how did he get a spike in his chest? What like what what actually happened? <laughs> Isn't it? Or did I just assume? I thought it was posited that he put it there himself because he was always a little bit. Oh yeah, un- yeah. I just yeah. leave that as mentioned in a hero epigraph. Right. It's, yeah. I remember it says someone did it himself. I forgot that it specified Zane. That I think it says Quellian and yes, probably I yeah, Zane. That's what it was. I thought it was just Quell. I could be wrong. I'm not saying I'm right, but I thought it just said Quellian. Ha! I, epigraph of chapter seventy. Uh. Right. Yeah. That indeed is likely how Zane got his spike. Is the, the, yeah. So. So when Ruin said you weren't crazy, he was just lying? Yes. Cool. Awesome. Because he's evil. <laughs> he is evil. <sighs> Anyways. Um, another question. Why did preservation point to Tapping Dwen towards the end of Well of Ascension? Uh, God, I wish I had the book in the room. Ellen, Ellen sees him in the mist, and he very directly points north. And they are already north of Luthadel when that happens. My assumption was, keep going. Don't go back to the well. Don't let it out. Gotcha. Okay. I do not know any more detail than that, but I I believe that. That's <laughs> like that a generic, right. a generic go away rather than go to. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Um. Uh, those are most of my, my questions from the first two volumes, which is all the book promised, so fair enough. Um, <laughs> but I do have some several Hero of Ages questions that are specific that were only introduced in this book, um, which is, did the announcer aspect of the Hero of Ages prophecy matter? Because it doesn't seem like we really have an announcer. There's a chance that Demo becomes a new announcer because it mentions that Demo is at the mouth of the cave. Um, so presumably he saw what happened with Sazed. Um, but there's a lot of talk about the announcer and then Sazed mostly goes off on his own and becomes the hero, which I thought was interesting. He kind of does both. Well, he doesn't, he doesn't, I guess he writes a book, but he doesn't like say anything out loud saying, Hey guys, it's me. He does write a book saying, Hey guys, it's me. So I don't know. (laughs) That was just an interesting detail. Um, 
one question I had is why are none of the Mistfall and Mistborn, it, you know, if one sixteenth of them are Mistings that can do Adium, that makes sense. But I, I, it specified that Mistborn didn't exist until people ate the chicken nuggets. But presumably, everyone who's a Misting is still at some point descended from that nobility. So, and, and if Zane was a Mistborn and he was a bastard child... Why why aren't there any Mistborn? I guess you could just say, like, the bloodline still has to be slightly pure. I don't know, but just a question of, what, why why is it the way that it is? So I can tell you that for the, for Demo's group specifically, um, that was, that was preservation intentionally trying to, to, to send a signal. Uh, right. And and so, pointing at ATM specifically was, I think, very intentionally the point. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, and then all right, two more. Two well, these there are some sub questions here, but uh, Sam brought this up earlier. What what happened to Marsh? Where's Marsh? Yeah. What the heck? So the last that we saw Marsh, he has. A lot of hemologic spikes, which give him an extraordinary amount of power. Um, yep. On par with the Lord Ruler. And he was severely injured. Yep. I, you mentioned on par with the Lord Ruler. Here's an Era 2 theory for you. I don't know if we've seen the last of Marsh. And that mm. could be fun. Mm. <laughs> could be fun. We will have to keep an eye out. Yeah, I there's a lot of keeping an eye out here because my next question is, what happened to the rest of the Coloss? They're not under control by Ruin anymore, presumably. But like, humans in there? What's going on with human? I don't know. Well, you know that one of them died because he was left to lay next to Vin in a field. That's true. Some of them incinerated, but there's still a group of Coloss inside the cave. Um. Would they be able to live for centuries? I don't know. Probably not, based on what we learned about the Coloss. But also, we didn't get a ton of specifics still about the Coloss. We got the general idea of how they work. I don't know. Um, they die of either uh, battle or heart failure, right? Mm-hmm. That's true. Heart. They did get heart failure, so presumably there is a pretty, a pretty firm. Right. They uh, they have actual lifespans. Life yeah. All right. So bye bye human. Um, <laughs> And then one of my theories was that the Conjurer would take their spikes out, but then once Ruin was gone, they could put them back in. And I'm curious if that's a thing that can be done. It's referred to as suicide and making a big sacrifice, but it would be happy and maybe fun if, you know, the people in the caves put the spikes back into all the mist wraiths and they retain some of their memories. Or even if they don't retain their memories and we get a new iteration of characters like Tensoon, I think that could be really fun to see. So I kind of have my fingers crossed. Um, we did see the spikes. We, we It was distinctly pointed out that the spikes were there on the ground. Yeah, they're around. It is also an interesting question of, like, can Orisur come back to life? Like, what happens when you take Orisur spikes and put them in a Chondra, in a Mist Wraith? I guess it's not the spike. The spikes probably don't retain the intelligence it's just what brings out the intelligence. So it's still probably each individual mist wraith is their own entity. So never mind that I said that. But yeah. if I if I could pontificate on that, I would. I was picturing like when Sazed was remaking the world that he did away with the abominations, 
Um, I don't know if you can just, like, snap Marsh into non-existence, but, like, Conjure and Coloss are very clearly... They, they fall squarely under the Abomination standpoint. And I don't think Mistrates existed prior to the Ascension. I, As far as we understand it, I believe that's correct. I believe the Lord Ruler created them. So I, I think that we have seen the last of them. To me, that's okay. But also, um, I can understand where you're coming from, too. Um. Yeah, I think it was explicitly said the Farukamists got turned. Those those are what turned into the Mist Race, and and I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure that's the implication is that those were all of the Mist Race. There weren't any before that, I think. Right. Um, and then I have one final like set of questions that is just interesting. It's going to be interesting going into Era Two, knowing like who God is and knowing his personality. I just think that's a really interesting in- piece of information to have available to us. Um, but we also get mention of Sazed uh, is talking to Kelsier. He talks to um, Vin and Elland. He presumably can talk to Tindwell, which is actually really nice. And I'm actually a little sad that did not get directly brought up. Um, but we get pretty explicit confirmation that there is an afterlife. Which now leads me to the set of questions that I will start with. Is the Lord Ruler in hell? Ooh. So... I won't answer that question directly. Okay. Um, and the even at this point, Brandon has very intentionally uh, left a lot of details unspecified on the actual afterlife as it is. And he's said that that is intentional and it will remain that way for quite some time. We will learn at least a little bit what happened to the Lord Ruler when he died. All right. Well, I imagine I won't get many further answers out of you specifically, Justin, but in terms of discussion, if there is a hell, did Zane go there? I feel like probably, but, you know, the influence of Ruin was clearly a very big part of his life. If he was misled to be the horrible person that he was, does that influence whether or not you go to heaven or hell? Do the Inquisitors go to hell? Will Marsh go to hell when he dies? He did some really fucked up stuff, but it's been established that he didn't really want to. And if that's the case, couldn't that be the case for the other Inquisitors? So do they go to hell? As Sam pointed out, Set's not really a good person. Will Set go to hell? I don't know. It's just when you get confirmation that there is an afterlife, these are immediately all the questions I ask of like, all right, who's going to heaven and who doesn't get to go there? Um, And and we don't yet have confirmation on if there is a a judgment and a, a separation or if it is just some sort of eternal something it's true and we yeah we don't get even yeah, we don't all we know is that the characters that we we believe to be fairly morally upright says it can talk to them in some way yes but it, yeah i don't know just 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 uh just uh, an interesting question if there is a hell, at the very least, we know there's at least one person there, and that would be Strathventure. Thank God. Just yeah. fuck that guy. Do you think he's still bisected in hell? <laughs> yeah, he has to crawl around. Uh, just two separate halves. All right. I think looking at that, looking at, that's a thing that we can look forward to figuring out in the future or not. But I think from there, unless there's anything else that anybody wants to add... Uh, I'm going to talk about where we are going next from here. Do so. Awesome. Uh, So 
uh, we are, I, I think I've mentioned some of this before, but I don't know how specific I've gotten. Uh, we're going to try things a little differently than some of the other Sanderson reading podcasts that I'm aware of, uh, which is that now that we've started with Mistborn, which I think many people will agree is the best place to start, uh, we are going to roughly, with some some tweaking and smoothing things out, follow the publication order of Brandon's books, uh, which means we're not necessarily going to be doing uh, series all at once. We're going to be g- coming back and forth as books came out. Uh, but what that means is that the next place that we're going uh, is back to Brandon's first published novel, uh, which was Elantris, which came out immediately before uh, the Mistborn trilogy. Time travel is possible on our podcast. Correct. Uh, we do it every week so that we can deliver a podcast to you once a week. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're going to be uh, we're going to be going to Elantris next. Uh, as our previous uh, interbook breaks, we are going to be taking a break of a couple weeks. Uh, this one also might stretch a bit longer given the scheduling that we are working with right now. <laughs> I'm not mentioning Beth any names. Just a 75 hour week. I'm not mentioning any names, but it's... Beth has started laughing. Once more, I, I gotta ask if that's legal. I don't know. I'm too tired to find out. Yeah, uh, but if if we do have an extended break, I'm already pondering. Uh, there may be some some content in the meantime on the uh, the the podcast feed. Some some interludes of some sort. Uh, but rest assured, you will you will be informed when we return for Elantris. Uh, we will be covering it much the same as as, as one Mistborn book. Uh, I believe it's 11 episodes proper for the book itself, uh, as well as a, an intro episode as, we, as we've been doing. And yeah, that will be where we're going next. I'm going to be personally interested in this one. Uh, I don't want to bias anyone too much, uh, but in the same way that I think if I had to rank the Mistborn books, I would put well of ascension as the lowest one uh i probably put elantris lower down on my cosmere reading list just because a lot of other things are you know very very good and elantris is i like it um is is good right that being said i liked well of ascension a lot more on this podcast read through than i have in the past so I'm really looking forward to getting back to Elantris and seeing what I think about it this time around. Completely agreed. I, like, in terms of overall Sanderson tiers, Elantris is lower for me, but I was just thinking, like, oh, in terms of, like, character point of views that mm-hmm. I enjoy reading, I think it, there's, like, one of my favorites. Like, I don't know if this person is my favorite character in this book, but, like, reading their POV chapters is just, oh, it's so good. And as someone who apparently likes well a lot more than uh, most people do, I'm very excited for Elantris. I actually already got my copy of it and I tried, I, I want to go into episode zero fairly fresh, having just read it. So I haven't read the full back of the book yet, but I caught like half of a sentence and I was like, that sounds really interesting. I'm very excited. <laughs> awesome. So uh, in the meantime, uh, even as our, our, uh, book break is is going through and we're figuring out what that will entail uh you will be able to listen to all of our episodes past and once we get back to it uh future at alwaysanotherpodcast.com uh, as well as uh, contacting us at 
contact at alwaysanotherpodcast.com. We've been receiving emails pretty much all the way throughout Hero of Ages. We really appreciate those. Uh, This episode is, uh, we're at three hours, 20 minutes of recording and counting, so we're not able to get into them right now, but I do want to (laughs) to take a look at some of the stuff that's been been said there because there's been some some fun stuff that's been brought up. Uh, You can also uh, check us out on our social medias at Twitter at alwaysanotherpod and Instagram at alwaysanotherpod. Uh, those will be, uh, we'll be definitely informing you of when we are coming back from our hiatus. Uh, and so you'll be able to, to catch up there. Other than that, without further ado, I think we can say thank you very much for coming along with us on this trip through the Mistborn trilogy. I've had a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to more Sanderson in the future. And we will wrap things up here. Hell yeah. <laughs> Go with we him, my children. Ta- <laughs> we didn't yes. even talk about how hilariously wrong your death predictions were. <laughs> Shut up, Ham lived. I never had any doubts except for the first two books when I had so many doubts. He lives, and that's what matters. You both said Sazed would die, and he's now God. He's dispersed to the universe. It's like halfway dead. <laughs> it's, as, it's as dead as you can be, as God.